fuck you, Craig. And welcome, welcome, welcome back to the 99th rendition of Cooped Up Conversations with Aaron, Joey, Prokop, and me, Cooper. Joining us today, a very special guest and also one of the first people in the, the three-peat club, Capucci. Very, very special. But this man needs no introduction, yet we're going to give him one. Author of Looking Up. Oh, you actually got it. Oh, I have it. I have the hard have copy. I'm starting to read it. I haven't read it yet. I, I'm not going to lie. I had a camera. I haven't read it yet, Capucci. I've been busy. <laughs> but I will read it. And for the podcast's sake, I've read it. It's a great book. You need to read it. But <laughs> I haven't read it either. You haven't read your own book? I read it out of order, but I never read it. See, I agree. I don't think – is it this – reading your own book, does that feel like the same as listening to yourself speak, you think? Because I don't like hearing myself speak. So I don't know if I'd want to read, like, no. myself. Can you hear me? You is that not working? Said... Are you here, Capucci? I yeah. can hear. Okay. Did... Did, did you hear Aaron's question, or did that cut out? I can't hear Aaron. I, I, nothing that Aaron has said or done do I hear. Really? I no, you have <laughs> you might you have it? him low on your end. You might be able to turn up his volume. If you like, right-click on his uh, name, it might be a little volume bar. User volume is, is all the way up. Oh, okay. Maybe Aaron's got you mu- muted. That's weird. Oh, I can hear Matt. I can hear Matt. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. I can hear, hear you, too. That's so fucking weird. I hear Aaron, nothing. leave him come back. Yeah, you just. All right. All right. That covers what? that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Dude, it was a prank. Get down the the <laughs> we haven't used Discord in like three episodes in a row. It's weird again. Yeah. Who else can we vote off the island tonight? Uh, <laughs> Procop's probably next, dude, if he wasn't recording. But. Well, luckily, I. I'm just been... kidding, Procop. A- Aaron, k- Aaron, try to talk. See if Capucci can hear you. Hey, can you hear me, Matt? You're good this time. That was weird. That is super weird. Aaron, ask your question again. This is sloppy. We had a good... It's too late. The flow is ruined. We'll get back okay, to it Okay, the flow is ruined. What, what he wanted to know was... was I'm not going to ask. So you were talking to us right before the podcast started. You just re, you got LASIK two years ago. It was your birthday gift for yourself. You left off before Prokop rudely interrupted you. It was like, we need to make this content. You can't just give us a story. Uh, you said that you didn't want to pay for the Uber back home. Yeah, so I, I live like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 miles away from this place, LASIK Plus in Alexandria. And I thought to myself, why would I pay $24 for an Uber for, for one mile? Despite having just dropped four grand on LASIK. So LASIK itself is actually, they're reshaping their cornea. So they burn the edges of it using a laser. It's no contact. It takes about 15, 20 seconds per eye. And then, you know, and your eyes have these numbing drops in, but they say be home within 15 minutes and try to fall asleep because otherwise the pain will hit like this. I don't think too oh. much of it. And... You know, I'm wearing these crazy glasses. I can kind of see, not really, because my eyes have just had laser shot into them. And I'm walking down the street like Mr. Magoo. And I have these big glasses on, not really able to see much of anything, wandering through traffic on these busy highways. And it got to the point where, obviously, the eye drops ran out. And now I'm, I'm essentially crying tears, not because I'm sad, not because of the pain, but because, I mean, it stings so much. It's like someone shooting hot pepper into your eye that it's tearing nonstop. And my glasses have found now fogged up so i'm drenched in like this sweat and this this these tears from obviously the the pain of the eyes also i can't see anything finally i stumble back to my apartment and i I just take some painkillers and stuff and and wake up about four or five hours later but it was miserable for a little bit so moral of the story 
if they tell you to get an Uber ride home, do it. I was going to ask, do you think hindsight, do you think the $24 might have been worth it? <laughs> no, because it would have taken no, he says show up. <laughs> has, has anybody seen the movie Prisoners? I have not. No? no. Oh, I don't mind. watch movies. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter it, that's the most absurd thing ever. The kid with, dude, you have like 18 jobs and you're not going to pay 24 bucks. <laughs> See, that's worth it to me. A mile walk on a normal day, I agree. Like, that's not, like, even if you had, like, uh... Wait, why do you just walk, if... walk? He did walk. Oh, I thought I, you I walked, drove. but... No, I, I, oh, I walked. drove, I that's a drive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't drive for, like, 48 to 72 hours afterwards. By then, I was fine. Like, I could see everything. It was 2020. But, yeah, highly recommend LASIK. If you haven't had it or you're considering it, definitely do it. Dude, we're going to start a GoFundMe for Joey. Because he's been, I wish they had colorblind LASIK. Imagine if they could like fix your colorblindness, Joe. That would be fucking dope. How much money would you pay to fix your colorblindness? Oh, not a lot. Um, really? <laughs> I I feel like at this point, <laughs> am I really missing out? Like, you, have yeah! you guys ever been floored by a color? But you're just red and green, right? Yeah, but it goes into pink and like brown and it's all. But those yeah. are vibrant colors, Capucci. So like. Like you know how like yeah. the fir- like you first come into like a valley like in Vermont in the summer and you see all the green leaves and the mountains and how like vibrant that is on a blue sunny day and Joey just sees gray. That's not. <laughs> I don't just see gray. I see brown. That's Joey worse, green. dude. I'd rather see gray. Joey, I, I, I have like the colorblind glasses though, and like I wasn't blown away. Oh, okay. Because I don't think ask. those things are real, dude. I think those things are a scam. Who I, tests I, I those? Think what we need. What we need to do is have Joey. Sing the, that Stevie Wonder song, A Wonderful World, but <laughs> with his own rendition. Uh, I, Steve's around. I think gray grass, too. I think I would definitely fix my vision, like my uh, nearsightedness before I fix color. That'd be my take. Oh, yeah, that's kind and of. I wouldn't good. probably go to a place called LASIK Plus now. I'd probably go to like. No. It was great. Dr. Neil Willis is, is highly recommended. You know, LASIK is the most safe elective procedure in the world. I LASIK, definitely want to get it, but they told me I had to wait till I was older to get it. I LASIK what surgery? They want is for your, yeah, go ahead. They want your prescription to kind of level off for three years because it makes no sense to do it and then just have it done again or get glasses yeah. right now. they do one so, eye or two eye for you? Both eyes right away. You can they have the option eye for my of mom waiting. And she was like cured. She didn't even need to do the other one. I don't know how that works at all but i didn't know people actually got lasik because it's not a thing in my world it's just not a thing in my world i've never heard somebody get it it. i don't know if single family members gotten it i had really bad vision and i wore contacts forever and it just would dry out my eyes to such an extent that it was miserable but yeah i got lasik and it's it's been life-changing is it like a bbl for nerds that Brazilian butt lift. Uh, uh, hey, Aaron, how close is the mic to your mouth? I put it a little closer to his mouth. No one can hear. Oh, okay, because it sounds. I'm just. It, you, it, I was waiting for that. Waiting for that okay. to hear because before just, you, like people weren't. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. The I just wanted to tell you before we got too far in. But no, uh, I'm glad you did. So, Capucci, the book just came out. Uh, how like uh, what? Have you been on like a book tour? Did the publishing company make you go on like a tour? Like a you said, like a local tour, right? Is that what you ended up doing? Yeah, I did a couple events down here in DC, Alexandria. They were all jam packed, which was nice. I was honestly shocked people showed up. And I'm doing some sort of thing. I think in Fairfax County, 
either this weekend or next week. I should probably check the date because I'm required to be there. And it's today. Honestly, I, I missed a podcast yesterday, so I, I have that rescheduled for Thursday. And then, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to – I did a thing on Fox Business about it. I'm going to – actually, back to Plymouth on November 15th, November 16th. I'm doing one of the things at like a, a lo- one of the local elementary schools. And, yeah, it'll be good to be back in Plymouth and see everyone. So if y'all are in Plymouth, feel free to swing by. We will be, I, we will be back uh, – Depending on what day you're there, we will, we will be coming back from Amsterdam that day, oh. either the 15th or 16th. So uh, I want to go to Amsterdam. I'm, I'm going to, at the end of November, I'm going to Australia, and I am pumped. Dude, fuck you. For, for, for pleasure or for, for business or both? Pleasure. I, I very rarely let myself take vacation. I, sh- I shouldn't say that. I have a weird schedule in that I work you know, sometimes 50, 60 plus hours a week. And I will work for 50 days in a row, 60 days in a row. Then I'll just disappear for a week. So I try to take a vacation every month to two months and at least some travel just for a change of scenery. This is like my big yearly vacation where I'm taking a full two weeks off from every employer, not thinking about work, not doing anything. It'll be challenging for me because I love work. Like last December, I went down to Chile and I told myself no work. And then I wound up Skyping into BBC News from the desert or doing DW News at, at a bar or like doing Sky News Arabia outside Victoria's Secret because it was the only thing in the airport that had Wi-Fi. So, you know, this time I'm actually going to take a break from work. That's awesome, dude. And are, are you doing like a full Australian tour to like the four relevant cities there? Like what, what are you doing? Are you going out to the Outback? What's your plan? Yeah, so it's I'm going to be there alone for the first four or five days. And then I'm meeting my buddy Jack, who's a he's, he's also in TV. He works there. And is, is roughly my age. And we're just going to kind of gallivant around the country for seven or eight days. We'll go to the Great Barrier Reef. I'm going to Alice Springs to an ancient meteor crater in the desert called the Henbury Meteor Crater. We're going to Sydney, Melbourne, a couple other places. So I, I'm pumped. Dude, Can't that's wait awesome. To, like, get there. And, and I'm stressed about the idea of not working. I, I genuinely struggle with not working if I don't have anything to do. Like I went on a cruise back in February. That was great because I had no Wi-Fi and I couldn't work. But if I can't work, like... I'm I'm gonna work. I can't not work, dude. You're a special breed. I would not peg you as a cruise guy. Where was this cruise? It was to so I had never really taken like a cruise for adults, and it was Royal Caribbean. I'm sorry, not Royal Caribbean Carnival. Super cheap cruise, two seventy five per person. It was four of us, and we went for six days, five nights. Everything included, you know, the the lodging obviously, and then the meals. And my gosh, I gained a lot of weight on that. But yeah, we went to we only spent eight hours in the Dominican Republic and then went to Turks and Caicos for eight hours. We were mostly at sea and this old aging ship. It was awesome. It was great. I, I was just gonna I say, to- you like a value, man. The all you can eat buffets and shit, that must have been right up your alley. I had alligator. I've never tried alligator. It was great. Really? Allig- yeah. Highly recommend. Alligator is great. Yeah, it's like chick it's a, it's like a people say it's like chicken. But I feel like it's it's like it's it's like a t- it's tougher. It's it's weird. I don't know. I I wouldn't necessarily describe it as. I would say it's like bland, like chicken. Like how you cook it's gonna be like, kind of more yeah. what you get from it. But it's definitely it's it it feels like it's a way more intimidating thing that it ends up being when you actually eat it. I think I had fried gator when I when I was last down there, and it's it's like fried chicken. Yeah, it it's pretty good. I've had a hamburger once made of horse in Iceland. I what? really want to try iguana. Yeah, it was honestly the best hamburger I've ever had. <laughs> I feel like hamburger wasn't wasn't it originally made of horse meat? I feel like 
I, no. Where are you pulling that from? I don't know. I feel like that's a, a thing, a, a grade school thing that maybe I'm pulling out of my ass. See, I feel like horses have been that thing that like normally isn't internet. eaten. Like they were way more valuable to not be eaten. Other than Ikea, I will say I have had horse meat. I don't think like will, like knowingly, but now knowing that Ikea's meatballs were made with like 58% horse meat, um, it is pretty tasty. It's a lean meat. It's like, it's like venison. And y'all been to Costco? If y'all tried the Costco food court, that place deserves a Michelin star. <laughs> they See, have everything. A slice of pizza? I mean, that's enough. They should serve it with like a, a stretcher, but my gosh, it is so insanely good. And the value just can't be beaten. Did you hear that, Kirk- Kirkland? Here's the deal. We've been begging you for ads all fall. You just got a published author, a man who's been on BBC, on our podcast, pl- plugging Costco's food court. That was not planned. Please, Costco, make this a Kirkland podcast. We are big Costco guys, Matt. Uh, the chicken bake, have you ever had the chicken bake? I have not. Dude. Actually, no, I've had a couple bites of it. Yeah. three ninety nine. you get a chicken. It's like basically a chicken bacon ranch. Get the fuck out of here. Dude, Costco food court is where it's at. The the CEO, I don't know if you've heard, but the CEO literally threatened like the, the chief financial officer. If you ever raised the hot dog price, you'd fucking kill him or something like that. Insane. I dedicated my book to Waffle House. If y'all have never been to Waffle House, like that's that's my church. Waffle House is my church. It's my place of worship. And dedicated. Waffle House just slid into my DMs on Twitter the other day saying you're sending me some swag. So it's I was going to ask, dude, has, like you have an agent, right? Get that agent on I, Waffle I House. I don't. I you don't, don't have an agent? Me. Good no, for so you. Don't give of, them the money. So, yeah, agents take about 10% of one's pay per year, which, I mean, in, in my case, I, I wouldn't be willing to part with at this point in my career. <laughs> and down the road, if they were giving me like a national con- So I have one sort of lined up in the event I go national, and they're, they're sort of, we're, we're kind of waiting and working on things behind the scenes. But for the time being, like, I'm doing local TV. I'm, I'm not giving them 10%. So, dude, you need to position yourself. Here's the deal. I I don't know if I think you. If anything, you're. I I don't know if like Waffle House was expecting to have a potential spokesman of your caliber. If you think of the av- average clientele of Waffle House, I don't know, man. And I think if you maybe uh, threw on like a Theo Vaughn accent, maybe wore a flannel, and then talked about how dope you think Waffle House is when you chase tornadoes. I'm. I only have a marketing degree from the UMass Lowell, but I'm just saying that's a great uh, potential ad there, Waffle House. That, that's my core demographic. Like Waffle House people are my people. I have friends <laughs> who come from these fancy schmancy backgrounds, and they want to eat at fancy schmancy restaurants. I am happiest if I am in, you know, a, a sweatshirt, baseball hat, at a Waffle House. Like that's my essence. I have to wear a, a suit and stuff for TV, but yeah, I I, I live for Waffle House. Sorry. Yeah, Waffle House is dope. But are you, so have you said so being around are, are you, are you good? I, I have a like I have a cough I have I've I have a cough and glaucoma, sorry. Um but being around the people that you said like are kind of like like going to fancy have you developed any sort of like attraction to like better cooked food because i know you've always been like a seven you're a common man dude you're a 7-eleven pizza kind of guy have you kind of become a little bit of a foodie now that you've had good food not really you know the worst part is like now when i was in in high school i was really cheap because obviously i, I was in high school so I didn't have much money. 
nowadays, I can afford better food and I choose not to because I like basic fried food. I, I like a basic sandwich, basic fried food. Once in a while, I'll, I'll pay, you know, $25 for steak. But really, if it's served in a gas station or if it comes out of a bag, I love it. So and other people. On, your, on the road, there's plenty of, like, gas stations kind of like uh, – it's like a big thing that's developing with, like, the food courts and stuff. What would you say your top-tier gas station is uh, when you, if you want to buy the food? Definitely Sheets and Wawa. They're two very different things. I, I'd say Wawa has better, like, condiments and stuff and better spices and, and better sort of seasoning and quality overall. Sheets has a fryer, so they can put, like, fried chicken on your sandwich, or they can give you french fries or whatever. Wawa's trying to expand into that. Sheets has pretzel rolls. Wawa does not. Sheets also has little pizzas for two ninety nine. I mean, they're 800 calories each, but they're so good. I'd and you know what the worst part is? I have to be thin for TV. Like, I, I have to be... I. I, I, I shouldn't say I have to be, like, I try to be. So I'm trying to stay, like, below 130. And it is killer because I am obsessed with food. So I have to run four miles, five miles every day. After this, I'm going back to go for a run. As it is, I put on, like, two and a half, three pounds when I was down in Florida because I ate garbage down there. But, oh, I, I love, I love. I agree food. with that take, Matt. I think Sheets has better, like, I know you don't say this, but it has better, like, high food. And Wawa, you can get, like, a good sub, like a classic sub. I love a Wawa uh, sub. Like Hoagie Fest, I have a field day. Hoagie Fest. Where, where do you live? Where Where my, are you now? No, I'm in Boston, but when I go to like, I vacation New Jersey every summer and there's a Wawa, so it's like my treat. It's like what I look forward to, my Wawa trips. Hey, my, come to DC, I'll take you as many Wawas as you want. God, I love Wawa. So I, uh, you said that you, like, you said you quote, you, you said you have to sk- stay skinny for TV. But then you corrected yourself and you say, well, you kind of do it. Do you feel like any sort of actual, like, have you ever kind of noticed behind the scenes, like people being like, oh, you want a vacation, you get a few pounds or something like that. Is there that kind of culture in show business? I think TV in general, yes. My local station, and I'm not saying this just because I work here, like my local station genuinely is run so differently from TV. Like the fact they hired me at 23 Whereas no one else in the country under 30 could, could you know, have a job like this. My boss really takes a different approach. We have people of you know, all shapes, sizes, ethnicities there, all, all different ages. And you know, it's like one big, happy, eclectic family. It, it reminds me a bit of Sturgis in that sense, which is very unusual for like a high-end TV market to, to take that approach. But I think it, it's, it's the best approach. Like Everyone wants to see someone on TV who they see a piece of themselves in. They want to see someone who looks like them, talks like them, acts like them. And I think by having, I don't want to say one of everybody, but by having a, a wide range of people who, you know, we may not always look perfect. We may not always be dressed the nines. One day I might show up a little tired. One day, whatever. It, it makes us more human. And I think that's what TV needs. And my boss does a really good job of kind of orchestrating and choreographing that. That's the one thing with cable TV in general, I feel like, that they just like really need to grasp is how choreographed and how fake everything on tv feels like i yeah. feel like the the rise in podcasts and stuff like that really does come from the, the like the need of people to like like you said have somebody who's relatable and kind of feels like a real person so that's that's kind of really good to hear that you're at a station that kind of is trying to foster that authenticity because like you said that's like what really is going to make people want to watch no one wants to watch like fake people that they don't relate well, to at all. Absolutely. TV in general is is straight off a teleprompter, and yet our station actually builds in time for just 
chit chat in the morning. It's, it's, it's especially prevalent in the morning show. We have it like 4.50, 5.50 every morning. Talkers, where three, four of us, you know, the, the anchors, weather, traffic, whatever, we'll just sit there and talk about a story. Just talk about something funny. I'll tell full stories from my week or weekend on air, and my weather hits are just me literally geeking out about whatever I want to talk about. <laughs> Ordinarily at stations, you have so much micromanagement, but my manager is super hands-off. He's like, we don't hire you know, people to fill boxes. We hire personalities and, and go do it. And it's, it's such a breath of fresh air. I can only think of like three or four other news directors who take that approach. It's, it's, it's a rarity in TV. Plus, with my contract, you know, it, initially that... What am I hearing? That's Aaron breathing right into the mic. <laughs> I'm not. I'm literally not breathing. I'm not even making sound. Aaron, I swear, if I muted my, if I muted you right now, I could still hear you breathing out the window with that volume. I mean, I did tell Cooper I was sick and didn't want to do this, but it's fine. Dude, at the end of the day, <laughs> dude, like you're fine. an adult and you haven't been on the podcast in a fucking month. So here's the and deal. I'm, I'm you sick. suck it up every once in a while. Like Capucci just, says. Just mute it when you're tired. not talking. You come in tired. Hey, watch, this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Do that. <laughs> yes, it does. I, I have exactly. no idea it makes what's a sound. On. It makes All a right. sound. Maybe just lean back. See, Capucci. The thing is, is uh, trying to argue with Aaron's a losing battle because he <laughs> you'll just never. He just won't give up. So trying to argue with anyone on the internet is a losing battle. Yeah, yeah. But Aaron is a Aaron is a child of the internet. I think Aaron is the internet. He's on the internet more than I think he's in the real life. So when the meta comes out, he's going to adapt very well. Aaron's thoughts. Occur to him in like Reddit sound bites. <laughs> <laughs> he formulates all of his thoughts in tweets. 140, 140 100, 140 I just go Omega Law. <laughs> Omega. Wowzers. Aaron speaks in tweets. Aaron speaks in tweets. Um, uh, it's funny how Cooper said that and he just spent all day talking about TikTok. <laughs> and hey, dude, here's the deal. TikTok. Here's the deal. Sometimes it's if- called growing a brand. <laughs> Sometimes if Aaron's had one too many, he speaks in wingdings. <laughs> I always speak in Comic Sans, and that's normally. <laughs> that's mad. Cooper, just, Cooper speaks in all caps, bold, <laughs> italic, underlined. He speaks in all caps, and then he'll be like, oh, man, Aaron's the then, worst to argue with. And meanwhile, I just scream for like 30 seconds. Then Joey <laughs> just speaks on special occasions. Yeah. And, and, and be Pro Cop's the same way. He just sits there and chuckles. He's been he's been talking more that Aaron's been gone. I think I think Prokop just is intimidated by Aaron. I think is what it what it is. I have a big presence. No, when we when we especially when we have more people on, I need to shut up more. You did. initially thought you were Aaron when I logged on. You, you look like a, a mature groomed Aaron. I'm pretty groomed right now. Bro. Yeah, I look like nah. if if <laughs> what you want Aaron to look like. I, yeah, if I Aaron, haven't seen you for like four years. Five, actually, no more than that, like six years. You haven't seen Aaron in six years? What? Not since freshman year, right? I don't that believe that. Sounds about right, to be honest with you. I don't think so I've I remember seen you gave any us the tour of since... Harvard that time. I don't remember what year that was, but... Had you, had you yeah, been freshman a... year? Yeah, that was either freshman... Yeah, freshman or sophomore year for sure. 2015. Um, yeah, fucking way. Too long, dude. That's why when we come back from Amsterdam, we look like zombies. We'll come and make sure we say hi. But, dude, I, by the way, my dad just pulled in. He wonders why he's going deaf, man. He was fucking blasting goddamn radio. I heard the tr- the car coming from a mile away. Anyway, um, but yeah. So Capucci, you were just out of Florida for the hurricane. Uh, what? What? I the one thing I was wondering because I didn't like watch too much of the what caused 
Florida to flood? Like, it, it was it just the strength of the storm where it hit? Like, what what made this storm so devastating? Yeah, so we had a, a two-pronged reason as to why Florida saw so much flooding. Obviously, freshwater flooding from rainfall and coastal flooding from the surge. Storm surge is a rise in water levels above ordinarily dry ground. You have onshore winds pushing water ashore. And so south of the storm center, you had winds onshore, 110, 120 plus miles per hour, that just shoved 15 feet of water against the coastline of Fort Myers Beach, San Carlos Island, the Naples area up towards Sanibel Island. And they essentially saw this wave of water come ashore. It wasn't just one wave, but just this constant rise of water levels that came to the height of a two-floor building. The issue, too, a lot of these places are only four or five feet above sea level. And if you have a 15-foot rise in water levels, suddenly you're inundating the entirety of, of Fort Myers Beach. I've been there before prior to the storm, and I've been there now, and, and virtually nothing is left untouched, which is, is pretty sad. When I was there, the biggest thing that, that always stays, myth, stays with me when I cover disaster is a very distinct smell of disaster. You smell, it, it smells like the, the world's biggest chainsaw. You smell splintered wood in the air. You smell asbestos and insulation. You smell leaking gas, leaking fuels, uh, rotting things in general. That's the only way I can describe it. Rotting food from refrigerators, but also rotting animal carcasses, birds that were left impacted by the storm. So, you know, Fort Myers has a, a long way to go in terms of recovery. Uh, but then farther north along Interstate 75 in the direction of, of you know, Port Charlotte and, and Port, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I forget the, the name of the town, over in the direction of uh, Englewood and Rotonda, north of Port Charlotte, they saw a ton of freshwater flooding, up to 20 inches worth of rainfall that I, I almost got stuck in the flooding too. I kind of had, had to outrun that. But yeah, a, a big time issue down there, and it'll be a while before that area comes back. So one thing I was going to ask you, um, especially because Florida is such a booming market, they're building up a ton around like kind of the coastline. Is this something that they should expect to happen a lot more, especially kind of in the coming years with like the rising sea levels, things like that? Is this going to be more the new norm or do you think that this was just kind of a freak incident that's going to happen once in the blue moon? I'm always reluctant to use the phrase new norm. I think Florida in general has a pre-existing risk to tropical cyclones. It's September, it's peak hurricane season, and Florida's the most prone place, arguably, in this part of the world. And so it makes sense that inevitably someone's going to get hit, and once in a while they get hit by a major hurricane. Recurrence intervals for that part of the world, you might see a major hurricane impact every 30, 40, 50 years. However, we can say that Stronger storms are becoming more likely to occur. We'll see more rapid intensification thanks to human-induced climate change, and rising seas are making it that much easier to obtain a higher-end storm surge. We'll get hurricanes regardless. Some will be Category 4, some will be Category 5s, even without climate change. Climate change sort of tips the scales to a more imp high-impact event, and we keep building in really bad areas. If, if our houses have stilts, we shouldn't be building there. So we're expanding the targets. We're not building in smart ways. There have been some changes in building codes, especially across like Lee County, Florida, after Hurricane Charlie, where people sort of build higher up. But it's it's frustrating to see that people would rather their chances again in some cases rather than retreat a bit from the coastline, build higher up. So I'm hoping people will use this as an opportunity to build in sustainable ways. And I'm not a betting man, but do you think they're gonna, or do you think they're just gonna rebuild? and hope it doesn't happen again. I think that's, that's the society in general. 
We have very <laughs> short attention spans. We we don't think more than a couple years in advance. It, it's like the news cycle. No one remembers outside of Puerto Rico that Puerto Rico lost the entire island lost power last month. It was a devastating event for a lot of people, and people forget about that. People have forgotten that a Category Five hit the United States back in 2018. People largely forget, other than in Houston, about Harvey. People forget about Irma, Maria, all the other biggies, Florence back in 2018. So folks have a very short attention span. As long as it didn't impact them, no one will change anything. But the U.S. in general is a very reactive society. And so I don't really have high hopes here, unfortunately. But I keep stalling because I see Cooper just ran away. Yeah, his dad must have ran up on him and said, I got to do something. I know you're... You're doing a podcast and trying to grow your brand. And what, very, are you, what would you guess. say is the worst uh, disaster you've probably been to, like personally been to? It really depends. This was a bad one given the enormity of scale. I've been to, because I always struggle to answer that. Hurricanes are one of those things where you can see it coming days in advance. We really didn't have a good forecast for Fort Myers until like 36 to 48 hours out, and things did escalate very quickly. But at least we can say in advance, in a, in a good forecast, get out, evacuate, you have time. Tornadoes, on the other hand, we, we give you, you minutes worth of warning, sometimes not even. And someone's life can be just obliterated or turned upside down in a matter of 30 seconds. It comes and goes like this. And so there are so many different types of, of disasters that I'm reluctant to speak about just one. Floods floods are slow motion things, but they might cover an entire state or more. So it's that's a tough question to answer, but a good question. Welcome back, Cooper. Yeah, wasn't there a flood recently that was like, it wasn't in America. I think it was like Pakistan, Pakistan. I'm pretty sure. It's Pakistan. Like, like, yeah. Like, yeah, what is it? What is it like 40% place. of their country's flooded right now? Something like that. It's It's been historic there. You've had some places see meters worth of rain in a single month. Part of the reason being the monsoon. You have air move inland from the Bay of Bengal and also the sea of, the Arabian Sea that goes inland. And because, of course, it's warmer over the land, so that causes the air to heat up. It pulls in air from the ocean to replace it. You just get this kind of constant moist flow out of the south that culminates into downpours and thunderstorms. It's just nonstop. It's really bad over there, unfortunately. It, so it was just because it rained for like a month straight and they weren't kind of like they like it just it does that happen there like often when was the last time something like that happened do you know that, that pretty much happens every year not to this extent some years you get more active monsoons other years not so much we get a monsoon here in the united states too across the southwest arizona new mexico parts of southern california even utah and southwest uh, colorado we get a monsoon there monsoon just means seasonal wind shift and we get a bit of both Atlantic and Pacific moisture that moves into the desert southwest between like early July and mid to late September. So we get a monsoon down there too, just not as bad as what happens over in, in the Indian subcontinent. So um, not to jump back to where we were, but you uh, mentioned how you, you guys kind of were accurately able to predict this storm and tell people to get out. Do you, now that you went down there, did a lot of people actually evacuate or did people kind of really think they could make it out and then, or not make it out, but make it through and then kind of were mistaken. So I, I think two things happened. We forecast the storm to bring significant impacts, but it came ashore stronger and much farther south than we were forecasting, even 36 to 48 hours in advance. So the forecast didn't come together as well as it potentially could have. The other thing too, 
know, a, a lot of people in that same area were impacted by Charlie, Category 4, low on Cat 4, in 2004, August 13, 2004. And Charlie was an extremely small localized storm, only about yeah, an eyewall like six miles thick or six miles out from the center. And so because it had much smaller footprint, people who were near the core of Charlie thought, hey, I was near the core of a Cat 4. I can do it again. Like I was fine last time. It'll be the same this time. Whereas in reality, this was a much bigger storm. So that core of extreme winds within Ian occupied much more real estate and subsequently pushed a lot more water ashore. All Cat 4s don't come equally. Size does matter when it comes to hurricanes, especially surge. Other thing, too, other than arguably poor calls from Lee County Emergency Management, it's also really tough to evacuate for some folks, folks who might not have the money to do so, who might not have the mobility to do so. It costs a lot to evacuate between lodging, travel, getting from A to B, food, lost productivity from work. I mean, it can cost hundreds to thousands of dollars, and it's tough for a lot of people to do so. Grandma and grandpa, if their you know, siblings or if their kids are, are up here in Boston, who's going to evacuate them? Who's going to go down and drive them? There are so many things that are impediments for people to evacuate. And I think a lot of the folks who didn't evacuate, unfortunately, were the ones who couldn't. Yeah, I was going to ask because obviously hurricane evacuations, things like that, aren't something that we have ever really encountered up here. So I was going to ask, like, I've always wondered, do they have like resources set up like like not like FEMA tents, but like something like that for people that are kind of in a disadvantaged state where they don't uh, have somewhere to go or they can't afford to? Are, are there like resources for people or is that something that isn't really invested in? Far to an extent, they're not as well executed as I'd like. And oftentimes it's also an issue of confidence versus impact. In other words, if two days out, I'm confident, but I'm, you know, I know there could be a high impact but I only have medium confidence. Am I going to enact all these changes for what you know could wind up not coming to fruition? If I'm really confident one day out, do I have time to implement these things? So it's a matter of confidence versus impact. The other thing too, you know, like, like consider Tampa. We were sure it was going to Tampa for a little while. So Tampa like prepared big time. Then it swung farther south. And I think areas of the south were kind of caught off guard. I've been in hurricane shelters before during major hurricanes, and I can tell you, they're, they're tough environments. I wouldn't go there unless I absolutely had to. I wouldn't bring kids there. Not to make light of it, but imagine like, you know, imagine going to Walmart in the sketchy part of town. That's mm-hmm. kind of what some of these shelters are like, because oftentimes you have people there who, you know, might be poorer and, and you know, maybe struggling in other aspects. You might have people who are have suffered from addiction who don't have the means to get other places so like i've been in hurricane shelters where there have been drug deals and there have been all sorts of things going on and so yeah it's it's a really tricky thing there will come a day in our lifetimes when new england gets absolutely screwed by a major high-end hurricane back in 1938 we had the the hurricane of september 21st came ashore high-end cat three brought a 186-mile-per-hour wind gust to the Blue Hill Observatory just southwest of Boston. We had 700 people die in southern New England from this. We had people who floated from rooftops in in Long Island all the way to the coast of Connecticut. And that that storm fell 20 million board feet of timber. Like, it it was insane. And people forget that can happen. It will happen again. I think we had a hurricane in 1944. Like, we've had bad hits. And we will again. Buzzards Bay is a ticking time bomb. There will come a day when we push a 20-foot wall of water ashore, and we're not ready. Wow. So you, 
you really think something that severe is gonna I think hit, like I think under the right track, Buzzards Bay is the New Orleans of the North. That that's a kind of something I've never really kind of thought about, especially because I feel like it is kind of so naturally protected by like like the fact that it is shallower and it, it has the vineyard stuff like that. So I feel like we are kind of like or that part of the state is very spoiled when it's come to like even how bad some storms can get compared to like the open part. That's the, the thing. That's the thing. Hurricanes don't like the open part. They like those inlets. They like the shallow areas. Because here's the thing. Let's say you're moving your friends out of an apartment and you, you rent a, a truck. Which is easier to push a dolly up if you have a ramp going up to the truck? A ramp like this or a ramp like this? That flatter, shallower one. So it's way easier for a hurricane to push all that shallow water ashore in the form of a high-end wave. The other thing, too, let's say the hurricane is you know pushing water ashore. If the seafloor is this deep, you get all that sort of energy distributed vertically throughout the column. If it's this weak, that energy, if it's this shallow, that energy is all sort of thrown into one big bulge of water that moves ashore. So I, I'm, you know, there, there will be a day when something really bad happens to southeastern Mass. The Cape will see power outages for an extended period of time, weeks if not perhaps a, a month or more. Not ready. Definitely not ready. And God forbid Cape Cod had to evacuate. Can you? I mean, we see what happens with, with one summertime rush hour when everyone's going to Cape for the weekend. Can you imagine the actual population of Cape Cod and then some had to evacuate? We'd be screwed. Absolutely screwed. I will say I did. Yeah. There's this cool map thing you can look up uh, where it's like based on how water will, uh, you know, fill uh, water levels will raise over time. If I if it's like a hundred meters, I think I get like beachfront property, so it's kind of a win, win loss win. I don't know. See, Pro Cup's really progressive until it benefits him, <laughs> and then he he like somehow becomes though. he somehow becomes someone who he's like, well, to be real, the ice caps melting, even though it would flood ninety percent of Rhode Island, I would have beachfront property. I would, and, and, I would see thing. my uh, neighbor's houses underwater next to mine. That would be kind of a cool snorkeling experience, you know what I mean? <laughs> Aaron, as a resident wave expert, I'm surprised you haven't chimed in yet. Aaron's not even at his computer, so. Let's <laughs> oh. see, I, I'm, I'm still bitter that we bickered for years over something that I was so obviously right in, that 1,719-foot wave. It's the semantic Coke. stuff, that's how it gets you. That's what gets you. I Always the semantics. Now, so you can ask him. Oh, speaking of he's semantics. making fun of you for waves, Aaron. <coughs> waves. Speaking of s- semantics, Capucci, are we you guys ask all you coughing? Y'all need to. We stop are sick. Smoking. I told you. There's. I told you today. We were all. We all are sick. We there's something like e- even Brooklyn, who I haven't seen in a week, sick. My parents have been sick. Like everybody's been sick. What are we talking I'm about? Wor- I heard, I'm I heard worried about was, y'all. I heard my name was being called. Out. Yeah, we we're making fun of you for waves. Oh, the, the wave? I'll never forget that. And I'll take my L now, Matt, if you want me to officially say it on the record. Thank you. I, I'll take my L. I, I, it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But I try to get the W most of the time. You got it. You got it. I gave you one L once, though, and I will never let that one down. Can what you guys that? explain this story? It's, it was really oh no, quick man. It was really it's really really minor. So don't act like it was a big one. But you thought the power plant in Bourne was nuclear. And no, that was, that was Cooper. That was the other Cooper. 
Are you sure? Oh, no, yeah. God damn it. Sorry, who man. No else. Was, You've never taken that it out. A, <laughs> we thought that was a nuclear power plant at the end of the canal with, like, no security and stuff like that. Be and fair, like, a lot of people on Cape think that, too. They, like, well, they, they remember that. At one point. Well, their their brains are mush from being around Otis and all the runoff and stuff in the into the water. But did y'all hear about Colonia High School in in New Jersey? No. So is, is it one of those wastewater about, schools? It, it's from what I've read so far, it's pretty scary. Like a hundred or more people have got this really bizarre brain cancer or or very rare cancers, and. It reminds me a bit of sort of some of the things we've heard about Otis, but also, you know, you remember Love Canal back in, in you know, near Niagara, New York. A lot of those super PAC sites, Colonia seems to be one. Of, they, they say they have no record of how the land was used prior to like 1950. And oh, it appears they pulled in soil from this toxic dump. Oh. And it's, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, that sort of stuff around like that, Otis, that all fascinates me. Well, yeah, Driving around that like, part of New Jersey, you just you feel sick. That whole state's honestly, yeah, something else. a lot of but, waste in that area. Yeah, but dude, like around Otis, I'm pretty sure, like in like Mashpee and, and uh, like Sandwich around it, it's like cancer rates are like. Wait, why? I I never knew this. They probably just don't keep the water. It's in the water. Yeah, but what's in Otis? It's a military base. Who knows what they're doing there? Okay, I, I just didn't know if it was like. It's also been people there just forever, a... like way too long. Just probably dumping shit. Yeah, because you got to think before, before the uh, whatever thing uh, protects the environment. EPA. 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 Before the EPA, dude, they were probably just like dumping shit in the woods, pouring stuff in the creeks. They and they dumped uh, radio. Stand, bro, that probably just fucking went right into the watershed right away. Dude, they tossed uh, radioactive waste off of. Um, off of ships like post post night uh 1945 like the war ending they're just like let's get rid of this toxic waste yeah, yeah throw it over throwing it in the ocean it's never a bad idea it's like the car batteries meme but like to another level why put it somewhere when you can just dump it in the water <laughs> it goes away anyways speaking the of the EPA everybody all always talks about the negatives of climate change capucci everything going wrong with the climate the world's ending yada 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 as a i would say especially for this podcast and our listeners an expert on the weather the climate what's something positive that's been happening in the world in like weather phenomenons climate like kind of changes what do you think something positive is happening i think in general it drives me nuts when people make climate change out to be all doom and gloom there's no bad weather, per se. I mean, obviously, like, a, a big hurricane is bad weather. But, you know, people will look at, uh, let's consider, for example, 110 degrees. That's normal in Phoenix. That's not normal in Seattle. And the same thing in Phoenix, which is what we call Tuesday, could have, you know, hundreds or, or thousands dead in a place like Seattle if they saw the same weather. So, to me, the way climate change needs to be communicated isn't that the weather is just going to get bad. I think folks are, are sick of that. I just try to communicate it as the fact that the conditions are outpacing our infrastructure's ability to evolve. Like, conditions are changing faster than we can sort of build to accommodate them. As for who will be winners of climate change, it's tough because if the climate's changing pretty much everywhere, infrastructure-wise, it's pouring out. Infrastructure-wise, it's going to be tough for folks. So, I mean, there, there will be winners. Like, Russia might see more farmland that, that's, you know, arable. 
Same thing in Canada, like they might have more farmland farther north. We might get cooler species farther north too. Other species will retreat. So yeah, I mean, there will be some winners. There will be better shipping across the North Pole if the channels continue to open up over the winter time, or rather over the summertime. So some net positives, but mostly Is negatives. anything good happening on the, like that, that was more my question. Uh, like, like, uh, like, is something good happening on the planet? Like, a good climate change? Like, somewhere in a, like, like where they're seeing somewhere bounce back? Something like that. That's, I might have worded that terribly. I'm trying to think of, like, because you always, like, the doom and gloom part, I agree. I think everybody's so sick of. And I feel like that's the only stories we are like, oh, the fucking, there's no water in the Southwest. Like, that's something we hear about climate change. But is there somewhere, like, experiencing anything good? Like, good, like, animals, not animals bouncing back, like, I don't know. That's a terrible question, probably, Capucci. I'm sorry for asking it, but what uh, what else did I want to ask? Anyone else have a question? I had a question, but oh, it's right. kind of closer to the doom and gloom, so I don't want to ask oh, it the do- No, I kind of wanted to ask doom and gloom, too, after. I want. I just wanted... People say I'm too negative, Capucci, all right? I'm not saying who. You would always struck me as a ball of sunshine, Cooper. I, I, always. I, I feel like I'm I, a realist. I heard you were going to be a spokesman for Hallmark. I mean, you're you're that warm and fuzzy. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. Back to uh, more on bread. Bad. Remember stuff that time happening. you punched me in the face? I punched you in the face again. Um, <laughs> it what people are going to take that because you have a book out calling yourself a nerd. You're like positioning yourself now publicly to make it. You were we you were an instigator in the situation as well. It was instigated. Did I react so, positive? Would I punch you in the face now? No. <laughs> from, from what I recall, from what you I you were recall, flicking people. You were instigating. Oh, no. No, I, I wasn't. So that that's not the case at all. So so Prokop, you don't know the story. I think you made fun happened? of a woman, Cooper, but I didn't want to say Cooper, it. Cooper discovered that. I hated it when people flicked my head. I'm very sensitive about my head. So he'd sit behind me in the bus. He'd flick my head every like five or ten minutes. He did this for days. So finally one day I was ready. I, was I turned mature. around and I grabbed his arm like as he was flicking me. And I went like this. Cooper, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? I let his arms go. And then he just pulled back and wham. It was self-defense. I, I, uh-huh. I, I think in Massachusetts it might not be self-defense. But if you go somewhere to like Texas or Florida... I think I would win in court. <laughs> but again, I believe I flicked you for a purpose. I, at least in my head, think it was. I don't know if you were saying something uh, diminishing someone. I don't know what it was, but Capucci wasn't the saint. I don't want him to be painted as a saint for all these old ladies, dude. He was mean, dude, too. He could be mean. Not as they I did wa- flick people. Name one though. time I've been mean. Um, ooh. I don't, know if, I don't know if you really want me to think. There's definitely something. Capucci. Other than the time I, I tricked, uh, tricked Aaron and Chris into thinking they were going to jail. That one That's was good. Fun, there was something else. I'm try- I'll, I will think of something, dude. Don't you fucking worry. I'll, that, that's going to be my task Coop, for the next fucking... I'm going to start journaling. To me out as a bad guy when, when I oh, have God, that friend Here's on. the deal. Here's the deal. Like, you're def- are you a bully? I'm not a bully. I would say... Used to be when a I was 13. Oh. 13. Not potentially. I didn't learn empathy until college. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I, I tr- I'm I trying to be better. I haven't bullied anybody in years. I don't even think I would... See, would you go home and consider yourself like, oh, like I'm scared to go to school tomorrow because of Cooper? I don't think ever. 
No, I would There's say that. a little bit of a pause. You, you always defended yourself, though. See, you that's the thing. You kind of, like, I feel like you got the bit, and that's the problem. I don't get, some people don't get them doing a bit. Most of it's a bit. It's always been bit. Cooper, you decide, You found out what bits were, like, a, a year ago, and now you just... But that's what I've always been doing. See, here's the deal. I'm a comedian. I've always been a comedian. I was trying to perfect my craft. It went from immature flicking to now making fun of English people on TikTok. It's called progression as a person. I'm sorry I wasn't perfect at 13. But what you're doing now is just that immature flicking, but a metaphorical flicking. Of I'm sorts. not immature flicking so anybody. Really, so really, <laughs> gone full circle here. See, it's that's the problem, dude. It's, it's, I'm fighting the character on a daily basis. It's not easy to contain the character. At least I'm not like some Jeffrey Dahmer serial killer. My character is I instigate. Sorry, it's if you don't see. Here's the deal. You need characters like me. Think about it. <laughs> if you don't have a character Do like we? me, dude, Do you're we? just going to work nine to five. You don't. You're, you're always. And the thing is, too, is I feel like once people get to know me, I'm worse. I'm definitely. It's more <laughs> of like, but like outwardly, I'm a very shy, anxious person. If you met me now, you wouldn't have ever thought I would flick Capucci in the air. Cooper, I'm reading his first chapter right now, and you're mentioned at least five times. That's great. I'm not even joking. I'm sure I'm in some. A manifesto student somebody's but <laughs> he actually has it as his backstory <laughs> my 13th reason why <laughs> oh, oh. oh. <laughs> right now i swear to god can you read it out loud for us aaron was reasons one through 12 yeah <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing you can't just point you you can't just paint me as the villain all we that were... after flicking cooper and then i apparently am worse <laughs> you dude here's the deal if, I think by I, the way, I really, I really anything, like, honestly. I like the, I like the font of your book. But anyway, here's the Thanks. deal. It's Times New Roman, I think. But it's bolder. It looks bolder. At least one of the pages I opened. There's it, actually like, a mistake on the cover of my book. There's like a huge paint splotch. I don't know what happened. There are it's many cubic. mistakes. It's a pubic school. Yeah, it's no, a pubic no, school. But here's the deal, Aaron. No. Back, we're not deflecting, Joe. If you go back to it, it wasn't just me. We were all assholes. You can't fuck. It wasn't we an are a different level. We. Yeah, I was pretty good. Yeah, you want to, Aaron? Here's the deal. Do you, I love the yelling. It's so do easy. You want me to dox you now, dude? About shit you did in high school? How do you get me started? No, that's what I'm saying. All of us almost got kicked out of school the last two weeks. Who was the asshole? Just me? Yeah, right. I thought well, was real. I thought he was talking about me. Like I don't. Think yeah, I Aaron, I was talking about Matt. you. No, I'm talking. You're so. I thought I was talking about you? Matt. Um, what, what did y'all almost get booted out for? You guys almost got oh, you. yeah. First off, yeah, Aaron. You, I, I, I didn't even punch Capucci. I punched him in the fucking forehead. I wasn't trying to do anything damage. Cooper, you got, I just was asking if I did anything to Matt specifically. Because that's I don't, the top. I, I'm sure I he think did I was grand to Matt. We watch movies together. Aaron, you, 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 you I hung out with Matt all the time, too. When we, we I just to hear it from the source. <laughs> It took y'all a while, about three years, to fully warm up to me. But then we were. Gonna... I was always warmed up to you. The, see, that's the thing. People don't think I appreciate their cat. I appreciate Capucci. I would classify you as an absolute character. You couldn't write a movie character to sum you up. 
You just can't. You're just an absolute. You're, you're a unique character, and I've always appreciated that. That's the thing. I always warmed up to you. We just were. I just still think we were. If anything, it was probably only almost a shield. We like knew you had hope, and we're like, dude, we're state school people. And Aaron's like, Aaron's like a private state school, basically Suffolk. Everybody got in there. Yeah, I'm not a fancy schmancy school person. I'm a Waffle House person, but I appreciate Oh, yeah, that. you're not a fancy schmancy school person? <laughs> I hated my time there. I went there so I could get the piece of paper, and I hated it there. I was going to say, you definitely, I feel like you, you did, did you say, would you say you met, like, some people that you, like, formed very good bonds there? Uh, or do, do you just, like, do not have a really good memory of, like, really anybody there? Three or four friends of mine, and, and you know, a number of acquaintances. Honestly, I feel like I'm living my college years now because while I was in school, I was so bogged down. Like, hey, I was working forty hours a week, and B, I was taking seven classes per semester. C, I, I you know, I was probably twenty five pounds heavier. I had horrible acne. I, I didn't like myself. Didn't like. I, I didn't even want people to see me. Never mind, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. And and that plus, I, I felt like the campus was very. Woke to uh, an extent where it was almost difficult to for folks to drop the facade. So no, I, I didn't have a good time there, and, and I didn't think the teaching quality was great. There were a couple classes where it was decent, but overall, I, I treated it like a, a four year long. Oh, and I think that that kind of shines through in the book where I didn't like it, I didn't have fun, I wasn't there to have fun, I wasn't there to like it. I was there to get a piece of paper that could help me make more money in the future, and that's as scummy as that sounds that's why i went there not dude to be real that's not scummy i feel like to i feel like the whole atmosphere in this is just my uh, i'm generalizing to the max here and we made like a bit about it before but like cambridge is like the people that walk around acting like they want like like care about the problems but like don't realize that they like aren't involved with it at all like you're not it, it just it's like a such a bubble where I feel like everyone just kisses their own ass, bro. Like the conversations you hear walking around, dude. I'm just like, this is fucking brutal, dude. You guys never turn it off. Like it just seems like you have to like build yourself up to such a degree to like fit in there. Like, and that's just me observing as yep. an outsider. It just feels so fake. It feels like a place that doesn't. It's not authentic. Like you don't. No one there feels legit. I found that, and that's that's why I didn't like it there. And and I'm sure there were some good moments, and there were some good memories, not a ton of them. I, I think the the issues were twofold. Number one, I didn't like myself at that point. I, I was not very comfortable with myself, and I, I you know, ultimately, I, I was pretty. I, I wouldn't say antisocial is the right word, but I was very shy. Like you, you'd never see me go up to a big group of people. Or I'd never go to a party or anything like that. But then again, that, that's never really been me. And so yeah, I was rather shy. I never really put myself out there much in college. But also, too, it, it just seemed like there were so many disgenuine people where everybody was trying to maintain a facade of perfection that it, it, that and, and folks would be tiptoeing so much to maintain you know, perfect political correctness to a fault that I just felt like everybody was a glorified actor there. And I, I, I remember there, there's kind of a scene in the book where it's my last day there and I, I, I skip graduation. My final class ends at like three. And by 3.04, an Uber pulls up, and I get in, and I turn around once, and I'm like, never again. And I, I drive away. Harvard did a lot for me. There were a lot of really good people there, and there were some great connections I, I made. Ultimately, it's a chapter of my life that I've closed the door on, and I'm, I'm sort of happy with that. I got the piece of paper. That's all I need. 
That's crazy. Would you say like the resources there were kind of like unmatched? Would you say like it felt like, like, like you said, you used it as a tool to like more money. Do you feel like it helped you kind of grow it all as a person, just like access to any sort of resources that you wouldn't have gotten somewhere else? I mean, I, I got to, when you, when you go to Harvard, you get kind of a golden ticket to do whatever you want. What I mean by that is you can do anything. You can't do everything. So I use my golden ticket to travel, whether that be storm chasing, traveling on my own, study abroad, stuff like that. I, I, I did that. I also cobbled together my own curriculum, which, you know, it, it helped. And if nothing else, it set me apart. The, the name brand aspect of it means that, you know, if I say I went to whatever school, people may not know that. But if I say Harvard, immediately there's a reputation of, oh, like, you're XYZ that precedes you. And it, it, the credibility in a way that a lot of other schools don't. I don't think I could have broken into the DC TV market at 23 with any sort of generic degree. I think the fact that I had that sort of gravitas, some prior, and plus I had no previous TV experience, but I think that the fact that I had that Harvard seal and could sort of say I made my own major there between Harvard and MIT, I think that's what got me the job. And that's what I was betting on, was that it would open doors. It, you know, I, I didn't have fun there. Atmosphere needs some work. I think Harvard spends so much time choosing stereotypically smart people that they forget to choose passionate people. And, and Lord knows I'm passionate about what I do. And some. That is certainly true. Uh, but so would you say that like at MIT, would you, did you like the professors there better than Harvard? Which one did you feel like was a more academically fulfilling? Like if you had to choose. I took more specialized classes at MIT than I did at Harvard. I felt that smaller class size at MIT, plus just the genuine thirst for knowledge, I loved it at, at MIT. Harvard, I felt like there was a higher standard deviation. You had some professors who might be tenured and, and could absolutely suck as teachers, but they had great impressive research, and so they, they'd stay in, in their positions. I felt like overall I had much better teachers in high school. I think high school spoiled all of us because we had gifted teachers. There's a difference between being a, a good teacher and being a good professor because ultimately I, I want a good teacher. I want someone who can convey knowledge and communicate it and is there to help me learn. Professors, some do that. Others prioritize research, you know, getting their names on whatever and, and you know, less about the teaching. And yeah, that's that's their prerogative. But I felt like that was a big issue at Harvard, and not to sound ungrateful. Like I, Harvard gave me a lot of opportunities, and I'm very grateful for that. But there there are some improvements that need to be made, and I think there are some big cultural shifts that need to be made. I think some of them are are common on all college campuses. Let's let's be honest. College campuses are supposed to be a place where you can be open with your ideas, and yet college campuses are in America, especially the place where you can be open as long as you have the same correct ideas as everyone else. Uh, I think they're so big about, you know, let, let's have an open mind, and yet you can only have an open mind if it's the correct, you know, societally acceptable opinion to have on, on every issue. And I'm not talking on any one issue, but that almost made it, I, I think that further entrenched the whole everybody has a facade thing, because everybody had to play as if they had the same opinions about everything. And only once you really got to know someone and break through the barriers, would you be like, oh, like, you're chill. You're, you're not actually faking it, too. Like, or, I mean, you, you are faking it, too. Like, we're, you know, chill. Yeah, one thing I will say, too, and just as, like, a different experience from college, like, people 
because to me it always kind of blew my mind where people were like oh like college is super like at least for us at lol joe i don't know if you could say the same i don't necessarily feel like i felt that as much i feel like no, definitely not. I no mean, one you really bothered each other with ideas on campus. Like there were people. I was who engineer, at- and so that's like a complete different. No one talked about ideas. About and I was business, so I mean, I definitely didn't have the most open-minded people. I was, but, like, I was South Campus, so I. Had but like some... even bro, like people yeah, like you, you just like you just kind of at the end of the day, just say what you think. Like I don't know. It. I would say UMass Lowell wasn't necessarily a place that fostered, like environment for like ideas and shit like that is something i feel like harvard like you said like it feels like it was very performative i feel like it's also because like the stakes at like that school like everybody has such a prestige they had to put that on for like for a lot of people probably their whole life to like get to that point like who like i i it just feels like at least at like lol one thing i would say about college is a lot of people kind of just weren't up your ass about stuff which was good because it kind of like allowed you to grow grow naturally it wasn't forced down our throats kind of like it feels like it was to you i don't know man that would stress me out like having to be around people like that i i just couldn't do it because it's like you said like everyone's performing it's like that's just so weird man and and you you were saying like the one thing i that that i like i kind of really like about what you were talking about and i'm sure it's great in the book is how you're like holding Harvard to that standard. Cause I feel like if you're going to put the prestige behind its name or like any big institution like that, if you're going to put the prestige behind its name, like you should be also be open to making it better. It shouldn't just be like rest yeah. on its accolades. So it's great to hear someone who leaves a school like that and like kind of does have an experience. Like this wasn't what I drew, like necessarily thought it would be. And Harvard has good administrators and bad administrators, but like, let's be honest. A lot of the people who go to Harvard, most of them, are going to be highly successful regardless of whether or not they go to Harvard. You know, it's not yeah, just 100%. the institution. And I think it's, it's somewhat easier for these higher-level institutions to coast when they're hand-choosing what they perceive to be the best or the most likely to be high-achieving. I'd like to think I'd be sort of at the forefront of the meteorological enterprise regardless of where I went. I'd be making a name for myself. Yes, sir, but, dude. And, and so I, I almost don't want people to associate me with harvard because like i I don't know it's but i feel like that's sort of the 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 case where there's not much of an incentive for an institution to change culturally if they're perceived to be churning out the best even though they already handpicked the best they just have to do sort of you know yeah especially harvard man i'm not saying you didn't like learn anything there but like like you said, you strike me as someone that, like, even if you didn't go to, like, I know you need a degree in, in stuff to be, but, like, personality-wise, man, like, even if you wanted to be, like, a, oh, like, I'm just, like, an amateur storm chaser, like, yeah, like, you have always portrayed such, like, a really good knowledge of stuff, but also being very relatable to people who don't understand stuff. Like, everybody who listens to the episodes you were on previous to, like, this were all said that. They were, like, it's crazy how well you convey such a high knowledge of like you were destined to be whatever you were like dude when did you when did you like uh if people didn't listen to the first few when did you really know that you wanted to be like a, a meteorologist i was like four or five years old like it's it's always been a thing and you know what's funny i've had a, a bucket list and, and I, I don't want this to sound pretentious but i've had a bucket list of sort of like career life goals and every single one of them has come true like in weird 
scenarios like weird down the wire things. For example, I wanted to get a TV job in a top 10 TV market by the time I turned 24, which you know, hasn't really been done before in, in sort of the modern era. And somehow it wound up happening with like a month left, or I wanted to publish a book by 25 and I made it with 11 days left. Like all these random things have somehow come true. And it seems like my bucket list, like, I don't know, there must be divine intervention or something going on because it, it's sort of like helping check all these boxes off. Now I feel like I'm getting a little greedy with what I put on that bucket list, but that bucket list, like, so far, it's, Dude, I've had it on a piece of paper since sixth grade, and it's, it's working. Knock on wood. Goal setting you're, is important. You're kind of like, uh, you're kind of like what those, like, uh, strict routine people on social media are except you're just not a douchebag about it like you this literally are just like it's not fake with you like that like doesn't strike like it because you it just it seems like like uh you kind of it just makes it happen dude you like i don't know it that's mad funny because then people go on social media like i get up at five like you just sleep five hours a night you like you're just a not like a freak in a bad way dude you're just a fucking freak you just kind of like have that gear that people always try to get i wish i had that gear i tried to but i i think to myself like there are sort of two rules that i've i've carried with me so far and that i'll always hopefully maintain in my career number one i plan to never do coffee i found that if if i'm getting to the point where i need something to wake me up or, or if, I, if i need something to sort of make me look forward to starting the day i need to make an adjustment to my day and and so you know i I'll wake up at 1.30 in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning for the morning news, and I'm excited to go there. And number two, I will stay in a job so long as I'm passionate about it because what has sort of made me able to do what I do is, is the passion. Not the knowledge, not the expertise, but the passion. That's why people watch. And if I can't deliver that passion for anything I'm doing, I won't do it anymore. I'm not going to retire when I get old. I'm going to retire the day that I'm, I stop going to work excited to go to work or the day that I stop hopping in front of the camera excited to share something with people because I it's like Tom Brady for example some of us think that he should have just quit while he was ahead when he was number one but he's still passionate about it. but regardless I plan to stick around only as long as I'm still passionate because that passion is, is what allows someone to, to sort of be the best at what they're doing and if that goes then I'll go I'll, I'll find whatever's next outside of weather have you do you have a passion that you think like when I do retire like are you gonna open a Waffle House franchise like what is your passion outside of weather? Honestly, teaching. I love being in the classroom and, and I do a lot of classroom work. I'm working on a, a children's book right now. We have a couple proposals, a couple proposals. One's with a, a company that's gonna do a middle school one. And we'll do a high school one as well. But I, I just I, I love teaching and I love children. I love old people too. But anything I can do to teach will be sort of uh, where I capstone my career at the end of the day. I never plan to fully retire. I plan to just die on the job someday. I might be 112 years old in a classroom somewhere, but, I, you know, I, teachers have given me everything in life, and I'd love to be a, a teacher. I don't consider myself like a, a media personality or a TV meteorologist or whatever. Even though I, I have a big platform, I just I, I approach it like I'm a teacher who happens to make an appearance on TV, happens to be in the radio, happens to be in the newspaper, happens to be an app. Like I, I'm, I'm just a science teacher who happens to do all these other things as part of, uh, of expanding my classroom. So you went over to like China and uh, did speaking events for like thousands and thousands of like students. Is that something you've ever planned? Like, don't disclose it if you've like it. It's something that you don't want to 
you you can't. But are, are you, have you ever thought about doing something like that in the United States, like or, or like Europe, anywhere else, or is that just something that like uh, you had an opportunity th- like to go to China, and that's why? I, I would love to. I, I think sort of my my cultural approach would have to be very different in China. My speech is called "You're More Than Just a Test Score," and it's about going in there because China. You have 26 million graduating seniors every year, and they're all competing for these elite top-tier schools. And to do so, I mean, colleges can't take essays from everybody, so they just take one test called Gaokao. It's about three days, and that's the sole determinant of where these kids go to school in the future and sort of how their life shakes out or shakes up. And there's so much pressure on them to succeed and to get into a good school that you have suicide rates through the roof, especially because most siblings at least or most children until recently only had you know themselves they were only children and it, it just you know my message would be almost contrary to what they'd expect they thought they were going to get a, a course on or a, a speech on study 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 like it's all about the test and i went in there as a harvard grad and i was like hey there's more to life than school there's more to life than a you know a, a good job or whatever it's about passion and I, but i look at so many of my friends who went to harvard can, and can i ask you they, oh sorry they they have these crazy high paying jobs. I'm like, great. You make two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, whatever. If you're working eighty hours a week, something boring or meaningless or, or something where you won't have a legacy, what's the point? Like, congrats, you can get a beach house. You'll never have time to go there, or it won't have any meaning. And, and so I'm I'm trying to sort of emphasize that life has to have meaning beyond just money, good fancy colleges, and and that sort of thing. How is that? received over there because you did say like that's something that they weren't expecting was was that something that you kind of got any negative feedback because like even like the schools hearing from parents like because of how different of a like of, of a, a perspective that was than that they were probably expecting to get i i'd say five percent of parents ten percent of parents were a little disappointed fifty percent didn't care forty percent were a little receptive but if if even one or two are a little bit receptive, that makes a difference. We wound up speaking to 1.2 million people in the live stream, about 20,000, 30,000 people in person. And, you know, I, I get notes from students after being like, that's the first time I've heard anything like that. I think of everything I've done, like th- those speeches are probably making the, the biggest impact, more so than any TV platform I've ever had. And th- those are the kids who need to hear it. I- I've gotten notes from kids who are contemplating suicide because they feel like their parents want them to be a doctor and they want nothing to do with it. And their whole life, I mean, especially to like in, in East Asian countries, things are just so much more demanding. And we see that infrastructure wise too. But you have kids who, who are told like they're, they're not good enough unless they meet someone else's expectations. And so I, I try to reframe, the, re, reshape and reframe their thinking. Most of the time it probably doesn't work, but if it works in even 10% of the time, that's good enough for me. Because, yeah, the way you got to think about it, too, is it's not even necessarily you need to change the, the minds of the parents. It's like the fact that that kid gets that perspective at such a an age where it's going to make an impact to them that they're like maybe in their head they're like, I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on my kids when I have kids one day. You know what I mean? So it's like it, that's definitely a slow, slow burning process too to like make that kind of change, I feel like, which is it, it must have been a great impact. I hope so. It's all about just planting that one little seed and, and hoping it sprouts. That's the goal. Absolutely. Uh, but you, you, 
do you have any plans on going back there ever? Or is that, especially with something with COVID, that it's not going to be likely? With COVID, there are a lot of really nice, really great people in China who I met. I think between the COVID situation, politically, uh, some of the content of my book, I, I, I'd be reluctant to do so anytime soon. I just, I don't know. It, it does make me a little nervous going over there, especially like when I've had minders and stuff. It's just, I don't know. The, the kids have asked me questions before that I've answered, and the minders will change my answers when they give to them, and I, I don't like that. And that sort of thing freaks me out. Do you speak Mandarin to know, like at all to know like that what they were changing at all, or is that something? No, different? but but I had a friend in the audience who spoke fluent English and Mandarin, and actually works as a translator right now. But the kids are asking me questions about like you know gun culture in the U.S. or should gay marriage be allowed in China, and and I answer very bluntly and very honestly, and it would change my answers or and, and I, I I don't like that. Yeah, because that's like immediate censorship too. Because it's also like in their heads, they're if they don't know English, they're thinking like, "Oh, this like very educated person from another country is saying this to me." Yeah, so, they, they're attaching essentially like Matthew thinks gay marriage shouldn't be a thing, and, and like I, I yeah. rep- represent not only me but also America and Harvard at that point. Whereas like I literally had said the opposite. Like you know, it's it just stuff like that freaks me out, and I don't want my name, voice, likeness, anything associated with something that I think could be pernicious to kids. And an answer like that, where I answer something very positive, very affirming, very encouraging, and it's turned into something that is the opposite. I don't want any association with that. Yeah, that is super freaky. I don't know. Because that, 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 I feel like that's a freaky situation to be in, because then you can't really fight back on that at all either. Because it's like you don't, obviously, I don't know, that seems like a super stressful situation, and it, that doesn't seem enjoyable but uh yeah yeah i don't know i just feel like i need to get way more comfortable traveling before i go to like a pressure more like a a, like a that because i feel like culturally that like the norms and stuff like that are so different like if honestly if i like offended somebody in like in like germany or the netherlands because i like drank my beer stupidly or something like that i don't care what they think you know what i mean but like I feel like it would come with such disrespect because it's like it is would be so different. I don't know. I, I, the str- travel like that stresses me out. I want to go and relax and not have to worry yeah. about pissing people off. I got invited to Russia, and that was that was one I turned down. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Even before they the- were just. This was last October, and I had a lot going on at the time. But also, the invite just seemed sketchy. Like they they couldn't provide enough information. They knew too much about me. It, it just everything about it seemed iffy. And it would have been nice, it would have been four grand to give a speech, but also, like, I couldn't even tell if they were legitimate or not. And I had your f- friends who were Russian trying to look into it for me, and I was like, it's not worth, it's not worth it. Yeah, especially going over to another, like, if, especially in your situation, dude, like, that seems like, uh, I wouldn't want to risk that. That's, that was probably a good call on your end. Maybe a divine intervention? <laughs> Yeah, there have been a couple times. I've I've had so many weird trips, though. Like, one time in China, I kind of got kidnapped. Another time, like... What? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't even anything government-wise. It was that I was at the airport. I'd been awake for, like, 24 hours straight. I I was not thinking my best. And it was, like, 1 in the morning. 
I, some lady told me she was directing me to the airport, to, to the hotel shuttle to go from the airport to like the airport hotel. And she wound up putting me in a car that drove 15-ish minutes away from the airport. And then they took me and demanded $300 for this sketchy motel in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, this is a scam. And I was like, bring me back to the airport. But they brought me to an ATM instead. Ugh, it was a fiasco. But I got back to the airport. I got my money back. And I threatened to call Chinese 911. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Trust Chinese 911. Especially as a foreigner. Well, dude. Chinese 911 helps, they... too, and they ask for $300 next, too. Yeah. Do, <laughs> Bring do, you to do, the is... same motel. <laughs> yes. Dude, that's... I, I also... Do they, like, speak English on Chinese 911? Like, if you call them, they're like, hey, I almost got kidnapped. Would they be like, oh, one sec, I can speak English, too? I don't think they would, would they? No, but they didn't know I couldn't speak Mandarin, so I just held up the phone. I was like, 10... Nine, eight, like, give me my money back. Damn, that's fucking Respect crazy. I would I just give them the they, $300, they probably. I, obviously, my phone doesn't work in China. <laughs> that's not obvious, honestly. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a place I'd pay for the minutes. Who was president at that time? Zelensky. No, no, no. He was asking who was here. Same, same guy. Same guy. It's been the same guy forever. No, in America. Oh, America. When you went, when you got kidnapped in China, was it Biden or Trump? Oh, no, it was Trump. But it, it, I mean, it made no difference. I, I got back. I was Trump would have saved you. Trump would have saved you. Who's on the ground? A couple of my other friends have had like weird (laughs) run-ins with that. But really, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. That's I like South America. It's just it's chill. Everyone's chill. Everyone's happier. Part. I mean, I've mostly spent time in Chile and Argentina, and Chile and, and Bolivia. But I'm so pumped for Australia. I just, I need a vacation. I've Those worked 94 days. Know. I've worked 94 days in a row, and it's. Jeez. <laughs> I, crazy, I love. Work, I wish I was that passionate about something. Like. Yeah. So it, it, it's tough because a I work for five different weather gigs, and it's. I mean, it's usually 50-ish hours per week. During storm season, it's more. But the thing is that, and this will sound arrogant, but it's not meant in that way. I, I don't like negotiating, but I also love it. So once a year, I just, I, <laughs> I ask for one, I, I, I ask for a number from one employer, and they will meet it. And I don't go too high, I don't go too low. I go exactly what I know I'm worth, and that employer will meet it. I will take that number to all the other employers, and I'm like, match this. And there's never any discussion. It's like match it or else like that's it. Like it's not even a matter of like this is my this is what I want. It's a matter of this is my price. In effect, beginning December first or January first. Dude, that's and, BDE, bro. That's BDE, dude. Walking in there, but, flopping that out, dude. But they funny. they've all been great about it because I don't do it in a greedy way. I I know exactly sort of where I should be, and that's also more than I think I'm worth. And so, like, at this point in my life, the money is still here. It's, it's great money. So I'm like, I might as well just work and milk this as much as I possibly can. Like, I, I will work 70, 80 hours a week if, if y'all want me to because who knows how long this kind of money is going to stick around in weather. Like, it, and I, I'm so fortunate. I really am because most jobs in weather pay dirt. Most of my friends in weather make between 30 and 45 grand. And... At best, at best, they might make 55 to 60. And, I mean, that, that's good money. Then I see where, where I am right now, and, and it's tough not to feel like almost survivor's guilt 
because I'm not that much better than my friends. In some cases, they might be better forecasters than me, but I, I'm in a really good position, and I'm like, I can't take this for granted. I will work as much as I possibly can. I, it, like, if I feel tired, I, I might be tired briefly, but I'm like, it is selfish to feel tired because people would kill for these jobs. People would kill to have this job, to have this flexibility, make what I make, get to do what they love in an environment like this, have, have an apartment that, that's in D.C. Like, people would kill for this. So I'm like, you know what? I refuse to be tired. I will be tired when I die. I should not be tired. It is ungrateful to be tired. That makes Dude, damn. Get this kid a fucking motivational TikTok. Get the motivational music beyond that. That's how, so do dude, you have a bunch of hourly gigs, We'll, we'll make it. Kind of we work, got the clip. Like, is that how it so, works? Or are you salaried on any of them? So for about – I used to be the Washington Post full-time. And yeah. they didn't pay great. They, but that was, that's been a while though, right? You were at the Washington Post – I was at the Washington Post two years. I had pitched an idea to them that I knew would be a big idea and take off. My boss loved it, but his boss and, and sort of the, the higher-ups never made it happen. And Papa that's Bezos? why I started kind of... He missed it, out, it more, dude. There, there's a, the Washington Post is a great place with very talented journalists, but there are a lot of sort of interdepartmental things that don't always link up and, and bureaucratic processes. And, and sort of my idea never took off. And I was like, fine. Look elsewhere. Got the gig at Fox last June... And they were willing to offer, I mean, in, in December, they offered 35 to almost 50% more than the post. And so then I, I, but by that point, I was, Fox wanted me full-time for the morning four to six time slot, from what I gather. They, they asked full-time, they wouldn't tell me time slot, but four to six opened up. And I knew that a four to six time slot in the morning would sort of just make it impossible for me to live as a 24-year-old person and, and, you know, date and hang out with friends and all this stuff. And so I wound up doing – my boss is the best boss in the entire world. He said, how about this? You can be a permanent fill-in. You can negotiate for what rate you want. And I mean, we'll, we'll keep you as like the permanent fill-in guy. You'll be flexible. We'll be flexible. You won't get vacation time, but you can travel whenever you want. And we'll make it happen. No one in the country has – oh, and, and you can also work other jobs. No one in the country has a TV contract like that. But my boss, again, he's awesome. He actually used to live in Sandwich, Mass., and now lives in D.C. Like we, we have mutual friends from high school. Like it, it's – or his son and I have mutual friends from high school, just great boss. And then, so that currently is, I'm a contractor there, so that's hourly. The Washington Post is hourly. My radar, the app that I, I work for, used to be hourly. They wanted me to move down to Florida, and I was like, no, 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 no. And finally, after a while, we sort of negotiated for full-time. They would match my Fox 5 full-time offer. And then, what else do I do? NPR falls under my Washington Post duties. If it's an individual hit from NPR, they'll just mail me money. And then BBC News, DW News, Sky News Arabia, they have sort of fixed amounts for how much a hit is. So like BBC News, if you're on the news, they'll pay you like 50 pounds. DW News will pay you 80. Sky News Arabia, if it's a, a hit that's less than 20 minutes, like you're on air for up to you know, 10 minutes, it'll be 200. If it's a pre-recorded thing, it'll be 100. And so it, it's a really cobbled yeah. together income. It's weird. Yeah, but... sense. So, so do you have to at least give 80 hours a week total between two companies or am I hearing it wrong? On so, you said full time twice. Like I'm yeah, saying, I was you said full time, two different. So, so I'm not full time at Fox. Fox, oh. like I might this this week I'm not working at all. Next week I'm working two or three days. It, it oh, varies a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I might there there are weeks where I might work sixty hours a week. There are weeks I might work only like thirty a week. Like this week's pretty chill. Oh, and and I I 
do educational consulting on the side, and that's uh, 1099 as well. So, like, on paper, it might be 55 hours a week sometimes. In practice, it might be closer to 35 or 40. One of the things that I do with my employees is, is kind of like a don't ask, don't tell in terms of how long something takes me. If I'm being paid full-time salary, to me, that doesn't mean nine to five. To me, that means I get my work done, period. And if you're going to give me like a, a full-time gig's worth of work, I can get it done whenever I want as long as it's in on time and is the full amount of work. My radar sort of takes that approach. They're a tech company. They're, they're really good about that. They don't ask how long I work. I don't tell them how long I work. There are times I work more. There are times I work less. It all comes out in the wash. Same thing with the Washington Post. Same thing with Fox. I get my work done, and my bosses are great about that. That's dope, dude. Good for you, man. Yeah. Kids killing it. It's a lot of like jigsaw puzzling. There are times when it's overwhelming. Like I, I'll finish a, a hit at Fox. I'll, I might do, you know, it, there are times when if Fox threw me on for a last minute shift that I didn't know I have, which sometimes happens, I might have a Washington Post article that's due anyway. So I'll be typing up that or I was typing up the book during commercial breaks. I'd finish Fox, go home, do something for my radar, which, you know, I in the, record something. It, it's, it's very irregular, very, my life is chaotic and I love it. I love that chaos because I always have a million things going on at once, but it keeps life interesting. It does. So, um, so who would you say like somebody that you've had like an interview with that you've worked with someone that's like, what would you say? Like you're kind of like biggest, like not wow moment, but like coolest person to interact with, uh, in, in, in your experience so far. Gosh, that, that's that's tough. I met besides so many Cooper. awesome people. Yeah, besides cooped up you know, conversations. You know what's funny is that, like, this might sound like a silly example, but in Boston, you might remember on Channel Five, there used to be this guy Jim Loke. He was an anchor. He he, you know, he do usually the, the morning or news, uh, morning or noon newscasts. And I always used to watch it because my family watched Channel Five. Now he works as the main anchor at Fox Five. And I still get so starstruck when I'm on the same, like, like, we'll do the same newscast. I still get so starstruck with him or other people at the station who I've watched for a long time. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're on TV. Like, that's the so-and-so. And then I'm like, oh, shoot. I guess I'm on TV technically, too. But, like, it, it, it genuinely it doesn't register. In your mind, almost? It, it, it just does not register. Like, to me, I'm just in an empty room pointing at things that don't exist. Like, People will come up to me at restaurants and stuff. Be like, "I love watching you." I'm like, "Are you creep?" <laughs> then you're like, "Wait a second! Wait a second! <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of watching you." <laughs> and what fucking window are you no looking through? <laughs> I'm like, I'm on the tenth floor. How do you see me? <laughs> like, is, is there a webcam in here? You just like, whoa, that's not funny. <laughs> but like, it, it it doesn't register. Or people they love following on Twitter, and they'll know because I tweet a lot about my personal life, and they'll know things about my friends, or they'll know things about my family. Like, I'll go out to a restaurant with a couple friends, they'll know a bit about my friends, and sometimes that freaks my friends out. But I'm like, oh, like for example, the other day I, I went to supper with my friend Sahil, and we're sitting in a restaurant, and they're like, and some randomly is like, oh, you're Sahil from the cruise. He's like, huh? Because I posted one group picture of like myself and my friends coming off this cruise. Yeah, some friends do hate it, and so I try not to post much of them. But it, it it's really funny. That's... I told him to deal with it. You want to be friends with Kabushi? No, well, we don't. Take we it. don't, dude. Best like... has met a couple times on Tinder dates where, like, I'll go out to a restaurant and some random person will come up and be like, "Kabushi, we're big fans." I'm like, "Thank you, dude." 
Yes. Dude. Is it ever like a good thing or is it sometimes? Nice. Do you it pay for Tinder little, Plus, Kabuchi, like... or not? Nah? You're not a Tinder Plus guy? What? Kabuchi Are you a Tinder Plus guy? Uber. You think That's he's true. for you Tinder Plus? He might do. I don't know. I don't have time to, to swipe these days. I'm just hoping that one day my, my person shows up. Uh, no, what, what was the question? I oh, oh, is it ever bad? No. And like, I will give someone as much time as they possibly want. It, if I have time to give, I will. I will do any media engagement. I will go like, I'm driving to Loudoun County. That's way out, you know, an hour from D.C. to, to do a, a school talk. But the reason I can do what I do is because so many nice people care what I have to say. They, they follow on social media. They watch on air. They listen to the radio. These folks have been so welcoming in a way that no other city would be. And they've made this place home. And I will go to the ends of the earth if that's what it takes to hopefully return the favor whatever way I can. See, like, do you, do you feel like there's another city? Not saying that you're going to leave, not saying that you want to leave, but like, is there another city in America besides like, let's say Boston, besides DC that you'd be, you could see yourself moving to and enjoying kind of living, living at? I've really struggled with that in that, you know, there have been a couple other opportunities that have been a little bit flirty. And in my head, I'm like, I can't, you know, like my radar, they said, name your price to come down to Orlando. I was like, no, like I'm staying not here. Price be to go to Orlando, to be real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, 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 DC is home. But there have been other opportunities that, that have sort of entered the equation and, and stuff, too. And I, I can't leave DC. DC is home. Again, I've never had to build myself in any other city. Like, I, I've sort of built my brand and built who I am here in D.C. I know I could do it again. It would be tricky. I, I could see myself going to Houston. I could see myself going to Dallas. Like, I, I do love Texas. West Coast, I don't think I'd go to. Denver, I could see myself going to. But it, it would be tough. Like, this place has a culture. This place has a lot of transient people, though. Like, I, I've had friends come in, go, come in, go. That's one of the tricky things about DC, but I, because of that, I use my platform to try to make it feel like just a, a little bit smaller of a place. And that's why I try to be so genuine on air and, and like people know I'm just little old me. I work with people who some are genuine, some have a bit of a different TV persona. I'm just little old me. And I think that's what people need. They, they need to feel like they have a, a friend on TV, one other person who's just the same. Dude, you're like a weatherman, Mr. Rogers, dude. That's the goal. I, I really do aim to be Mr. Rogers. That's why, for example, like I think folks in D.C. know me for is that on the radio, like you've heard NPR. NPR has a very flat, very predictable style. Yeah. And especially during the pandemic, I was like, how can I make D.C. feel like a smaller place? There are a lot of people who don't have anyone or who have horrible home situations or have whatever. And radio or, or TV is their way to connect with other people like they welcome us into their living room. They welcome us into their car. So I start every radio forecast. Well, gang, blah, 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 blah. And I chose that phrase as very consciously to make it seem like, hey, we're, we're all one gang. We're all like one whatever. Like, let's, let's have a friendly weather chat. And that's what I do. And it surprised a lot of people. And it's a, it's a different style. NPR doesn't really do that. And I received over twelve to 1,300 comments from people who were like, you know, that, that warmth is something I, I don't get anywhere else. Like I got one lady who said she was caring for her, her dying mother during COVID. She had no human interaction, no whatever. And for 45 seconds on Monday afternoons, Friday afternoons, or Thursday mornings, she said she could finally breathe because she felt like she was talking with a friend. And I get a lot of notes like that from people who I've never met. 
And if a little two-word phrase can do something like that, it shows the power that, that media still has. And that's sort of how I, I treat it. You made me think of something. Do you think, and I don't mean to say this in like a toot your own, like I'm trying to toot your horn, Matt, but like, do you think people in the DC area like realize to have like something unique and special with you, if that makes sense, compared to like I, I, another top 10 TV market, like person who does what you do? Obviously, like, do you think they like, pre- you know what I mean? If but do I feel like do, do they sort of appreciate me? <laughs> you're like you're, it's just because like, clearly I feel like you're 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 like there's clearly like some there's something different. You're like about a local you. celebrity already. Yeah, you talked yeah, about your yeah, book yeah. Tour, That's what I'm saying. Like stores. like yeah. there's other. You said DC's a top ten TV market, right? Yeah. So there's nine other markets that are just as big. Like I wonder if the people there like appreciate like local media as much because of what you've like done. I think if that doesn't make sense, up. we can move on. No, no, that's a really good question. You can get the forecast from anywhere these days. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was app. thinking, yeah. And, and, like, honestly, people have a lot of choices, and I think what keeps people coming back is that there are very few people anywhere who have this much passion and who also love the people who they serve that much. Like, I, D.C. has given me so much that I genuinely love this city. I love everything about it, and, and I love my job, and I think that's a breath of fresh air for a lot of people. I think uh, folks, too... People are a lot smarter than we think. They can see right through it. Like you, yeah. you know who on TV is putting on a shtick or a facade, and you know who is themselves. And I think people recognize that. People, I mean, the, the love that I get, for example, with the book tour. Ellen. Who, who's going to show up at like 4 p.m. on a Thursday or on a Wednesday for a book tour in a tough-to-get-to part of town? I didn't think anyone was going to, and I showed up. They had 40 chairs. They never feel 40 chairs. We had 60-something people. And yeah. one might be someone who I shared an Uber with. One might be whatever. Like, I got a note from a lady a couple weeks ago saying, you know, you met my mother in an airport. And I remember this woman, too. She was going to Sacramento. She was a grandmother. She would come here for her granddaughter's birthday party. And we struck up a conversation. And she said, you know, my mother came home and, and told me about you because – no one ever sits and, and talks. And then, like, I hadn't even told her my name. She apparently went and Googled me to figure out who I was and went back from there. She said, I, I got the book and, like, you know, we're reading about you, but thanks for, for keeping my grandmother company. Or when I got a, into Fox, some lady wrote in and was like, you don't remember. Two years ago, we were in the same Uber pool. You know, blah, blah, blah. So Classic happy to see you there. Like, Uber pool. <laughs> just random, random things like this. And, and I think... People just need that breath of fresh air yeah. these days. And Especially I, with the whole TV thing kind of, I guess, on the, uh, on the way so out. Like, is, like, I don't think about I don't think about the local weather people here or like the local TV <laughs> personalities here. And I'm like wondering if you've like even brought people because they kind of like it's like, oh, that's Matt. Like, I'm going to check it out. Because like we said, like most young people aren't turning on Fox News. I mean, I assume most of your market is wonderful old woman, but... I was going to ask, what demographic do you test really well with? Because I know you get all the stats. So the reason I love Fox is because... And I don't know sort of how how blunt I can be with this, but, but, you know, I I love... The the parent company, you know, some folks have different opinions. I will say that that local DC is is very different from Fox National. And and they have a smart business model. They give me a lot of freedom, but also... You know, one thing that we have a lot of really loyal viewers from Prince George's County off to our east, and we have a lot of really, I mean, we have loyal viewers across the DMV. 
the reason I love our viewers is because, you know, we don't, honestly, we don't have as many of those like fancy schmancy high positions, like whatever. We have the people who are getting up early. We, we have the bus drivers, the nurses, the people who really run things and who make the big difference. The, I, I'd say the folks who, who are like the everyday heroes that make society what it is. Other people might watch different channels, but we have the people that makes this city tick. And that's why I love this, this group. So what you're saying yeah. is Biden doesn't watch. No, what you're saying I, is I, older I, women I, love Matthew Capucci. That's the demographic. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Prince George County people. <laughs> I know. This. I don't but know like, all across the country, but really, we have a, a core working class group. And that's what I want. Like, there are other channels in the DMV that appeal to mainly sort of the, the, the fancy schmancy, super high income people. They might all watch the same channel. For us, we have the working class people. And I mean, these are the people that I, I think are, are the most important and who I resonate with the most because. I mean, I, I am a working class people. We are working. I mean, we're, we're from Plymouth. We are working class people. We're not from Duxbury. We're not from a, a, a fancy schmancy background. We're calling you out, Duxbury. Hanover. <laughs> Silver Lake. No, but we're working class people. And I think folks see that and they appreciate that. And that's why I, I love our demographic the best. And I, I, I just, I really love the people who I get to work for. And I like to, no one ever tells me what to say. If I went to another station, it'd be very different. My manager, my, my boss, Paul, has never told us what to say. He's like, you know, look, if you're doing something that works, do it. I get really technical. And I thought, to, like a month in, I was like, I don't know if he's going to like this. And he said, we're going to run a promo. Like, we're going to run a commercial basically advertising your nerdiness. And See, that's yeah. what I meant. Like, that's what I was I – think, I think I heard about that. And I think that was my original question is like, you're not just going mm. – so it's gonna, it's gonna not to knock any meteorologist, you know what I mean? But you're not it's just saying rain. it's gonna rain, it's gonna do this. Like I remember, I think I remember seeing that. Unless I'm just making it up, and I was like, see, like the people in DC, like they get, it's like different. They get like a special. Yes, I think that, but yeah, that that goes yeah, special treat. I don't know. It's like different. It's hard for me to explain and not something. No, like, I know exactly. I think, yeah. Let's be honest. No one here watches local news. I mean, no, no one, no, no, none of you four, and most young people don't. We still have middle-aged and older people who are watching local news, and they keep us in business. Yeah. I don't know if there will be a day when that changes, if the model will shift, if whatever. That's also why I work so many different jobs. But I think because there are so many competing sources of attention, we need to be either more than, better than, or different than our competition. And so many local newscasters are struggling to do that. How many people just get up there... They do the same forecast, and, and, and like there are people who I've worked with before who will get up there, do the forecast, and that's it. Like that, it's, just, in, in it's your job. Two fine. minutes goes by. Two yeah. minutes goes by, and you're like, "What happened?" But people, in order to keep people, I think we need to educate them. We have to entertain them. We have to give them something more. And so I try to be both educating and, and, and you know giving people, edifying people, but also being a little yeah. bit entertained, being very genuine, and sort of. Being a friend for people, and that's what people need. Like you, you have the morning shift, right? Or did I hear wrong before? So, so I'm all over the place. I well, so I was like, think about. Put, the, I was just say, just think about the times where like a mom turns it on and a little eight year old daughter is sitting next to her. You know what I mean? Getting ready in the morning. Maybe you got her excited. You know what I mean? You got her attention, or somebody who normally doesn't watch the goal. And TV. if it's if it's thirty or forty seconds per day, like for example, when I was down in Florida last week. We knew Ian was coming ashore. It was going to be a bad storm. 
And I work with the MyRadar app. And everyone does a forecast for adults, and they're all the same. I said, screw it. I'm going to do a forecast for kids because how many parents in Florida are getting ready to evacuate their kids? It's a scary thing. If there's a cat forebearing down on you and you're evacuating your kids who have no idea what's going on, that's scary. So why not do a two-and-a-half-minute forecast for kids in terms kids can understand, explaining to them what this is? And I did, and it took off. It got like 150, 160 retweets, 20,000 views just on my Twitter, never mind in the app, online, and all the other places. And that's what people need. They need someone. I mean, it's such a privilege to be able to be on TV because people are welcoming you into their homes. And so I don't take that for granted. I, I you know... I want to make sure that from being welcomed into the homes, I'm there for everyone. Grandpa in the chair, grandma knitting in the corner, the kids who might be at the breakfast table, the adults who are on their way to work. I want to give something to everyone and try. I don't always succeed, but I try. No, exactly. Yeah. You, it's like, I feel like Cooper is right. It's a mix between Mr. Rogers and a little Neil deGrasse hair. What's his name? Hair. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, yeah he, a little bit of that in there. Like, you're making it like. You make it approachable, which is yeah. great. And, Thanks. And it's. Something really refreshing because, like, especially in your form of media, I feel like it's so rare to find people that, like, are authentic to, like, you're not, like you said, you can tell people what put on, like, on-air characters. You're someone who's not doing that on a daily basis and, like, really succeeding Just, just because that. weather, like, just because cable television is dying doesn't mean that, like, passion for the things that are on cable television need to die with it no absolutely not i but, figure there, there will always be an audience somewhere i don't know where that audience will be that's why i try to be on all platforms but well, so it, it, can we it's ask scary you? career-wise be, what was that what's your only fans my only clouds uh cloud, cloud, only clouds, clouds <laughs> I'll, I'll luxurious I, I thought about making it only clouds and hear me out not for sketchy reasons wait what is only, oh, only clouds sorry i get it it, it's 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 a joke. I, I mean, no, I thought I, about I, making. Yeah, one. I, just, I, I took me a second, <laughs> but I get it now. I thought about making one, not for sketchy reasons, but because here's the thing: a lot of media personalities get creepy messages. How great would it be if I could just, rather than delete, 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 rather than deleting all these, just randomly reply in OnlyFans link? Somebody's gonna think, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, like jackpot! He's on there." And then they'd pay five dollars to see whatever's hiding behind the wall, and it would just be pictures of clouds, and it'd just say like Stratus, Cirrus. Dude, Cumulus. can you please do that? You'd have to have like a bunch of like pictures first, because like yeah, actually don't know, don't ask how I know this. I I, I have a million cloud pictures. Okay, yeah, good. Here I could go. sort of get five dollars from each creeper and teach them a valuable lesson. Stop creeping on media personalities. I'm creeping up. Have you ever thought, speaking of that though, I know you're busy. Have you ever thought about like Patreon and having people pay? Like, it's hard. I, it's I not have, like to be consistent. I, I feel like it's just your schedule's too busy, but like. Substack. Was it Substack? I think Substack reached out to me. They wanted to do a partnership. And I was like, I, I can entertain this eventually. I'm just yeah. I'm so overextended right now that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As it Come is. Because yeah. it's probably like free. one of the next steps to make like money. Because like you have an audience, like you should spend this time just building your brand, like you are. And then there's just ways to. There's obviously always going to be ways to make money, especially when you have a, a brand and an audience. So yeah. I think so, you do pretty well in that world. That's the goal. When that I, day I comes. Yeah. 
I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I have many ideas, many plans. Yeah. I want to grow up my YouTube platform, but I, I part of me is like, did I miss the bandwagon on that? I don't do as well no. on Facebook. I do really well on Twitter. TikTok, I'm trying to get better. Actually, now, now I'm running my radar's TikTok. Two weeks ago, we had like 300, viewer, 300 followers. Now we're up to about 9,500. I'm hoping to get to 20,000 by the end of next month. So they're happy with that. Jeez. I'm going to probably yeah, stitch gonna every follow. video. Yeah, we'll go follow. That's great. I'm gonna... Dude, Capucci, anything else that you got going on? Anything we want to talk about? Because we've been taking up your time for about two hours, dude. It, time is flying when you're having fun. I'm anything having wanna... fun. I, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't having fun. I mean, dude, I... We appreciate you I... being here, dude. It's great talking to you, man. It really is. It's been a fucking long time. I went home from happy hour. I was like, I got to go. Hanging out with my high school friends. <laughs> and Pro Cop, who is now an honorary high school friend. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, was gonna, I said Zoom, but apparently it's, it's Discord, which I still don't... I, I had no idea what my password was, but apparently I got it right. That's kind of me with everything. I just like yeah. press my keyboard and I'm like, oh. That worked. <laughs> I yeah. use like 10 I, passwords that I rotate, so... I finally got a new computer. I'm pumped because this one... This is the one I had in high school. And actually, Holy no, smokes. this is what I got at the end, the end of high school into college. Remember how I used to take my watch off when I would use my Mac, so I was afraid to scratch yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. This thing, yeah. I've dropped this so many times. Like, it lost all of its padding down bottom. It has fallen off the back of my truck. It, it's been through hell, and I finally got a new one from work. And knock on wood, it stays intact. Good. So that's going to last about you Max, Joe. But two Max lasts for- long. They do. Mine last a little longer, I just want to point out, than most Macs that I've seen. It's just, I feel like you get duds where, like, they break within, like, a week. Some of them I got mine here. replaced. Yeah, there was something wrong with, like, the hardware. Uh, <laughs> and I got it replaced when I still had Apple Care. thank God. But, like, other than that, like, I haven't had any real problems with it. I had some issues initially with this one. It, it kind of lit on fire once because of, oh, uh... <laughs> well, what had happened was... I had volcanic rocks in my backpack that I forgot about, which are magnetic. And so over time, all these kind of magnetic things, or all, all the rocks sort of chafed against each other, caused little fragments and, and dust. So over time, I gathered in the magnetic charging port. And then one day I went to plug it in, and I came back, and I was like smoking a little bit. I was like, uh-oh, and it shorted out and whatnot. But I got a new charging port put in, and happy times. They're like, what caused this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Just lit on fire. Get, don't know what to tell yeah, you. I'm surprised mine didn't light on fire at Sego. That place had so much dust. Yeah, like dude. Asbestos coming off the walls and stuff. When I first opened it up, dude, like I cleaned it out once a year, and it was just like, it's a maze that I did not burn in my bed at least once. <laughs> <laughs> I use electric blankets. No. I don't even use blankets anymore. What? What, what do you do? <laughs> How do you sleep? It's I haven't. It's just it's so hot. Like in college and stuff, it was just so hot that I've just gotten used to like not liking having a blanket on me. That is I insane. A blanket, really. I need a blanket. Like I, yeah, if I don't have a blanket, I don't feel comfy. Sometimes I feel exposed. Yeah, I I have never slept without a blanket. Actually, I mean, I do sleep in weird places sometimes, but that's just by virtue of my schedule. I can well, you know what's great? It's a superpower now because I'm always a little bit tired. I can sleep anywhere. I have slept 
so one time I, I worked the evening shift and then I was double backing to the morning shift on air. And like, I just slept on the floor. It was great behind the green screen. <laughs> well, wait, what? You don't have couches? Is it, are, are people used to just be like, hey, Matt, they don't even, like, they want to say something. They're like, oh, he's sleeping. Never mind. And they'll leave you. Back. I, I didn't know we had couches, but apparently we have couches. So someone showed me a couch and it's the most comfortable couch in the entire world. I've only done that once during a snowstorm since, but oh my gosh, it's so comfy. Or like, I, I'll randomly sleep on buses. Oh, you know what's great? I got bumped to first class the other day for the first time ever. And then coming back from Florida, it happened again. So I could finally like sprawl out and sleep and they gave Where me mimosas and it was wonderful. I got bumped to first class once, and guess who was on my flight? Mr. Wonderful. Kevin O'Leary? Yeah, he was on my flight. You're a quitter. You're a loser. And they gave us, like, yeah, they gave us fancy stuff, and I'm like, Mr. Wonderful doesn't know that I am, in fact, poor as shit right now. (laughs) But he thinks I'm at the same class as him. He would make them stop the flight if he ever found out. (laughs) Get back with the commoners. (laughs) Get him back! Land this plane. Land this plane. (laughs) Heck, on Sunday, when I was coming back, I showed up in, like I I told y'all, like mud-caked pants that my boss had given me because I only brought one pair of long pants to Florida because I thought I wasn't going to have to be formal for the hurricane. So, like, mud-caked pants. I I haven't shaved all week because I I haven't been on air for a little while. I look like a mess. I am exhausted. The dark circles have never been darker. I have shredded shopping bags filled with just Waffle House takeout from days ago. I cram underneath my seat, my backpack, my bags, you know, overfilled. I have a couple of mimosas, fall asleep, and then as I'm getting off the plane, like, that anchor from PBS NewsHour, nicest guy ever, is like, are you Matthew Capucci? Is like, I'm, my hash browns are falling on the floor, and, like, I'm trying to get my bag from on top. I'm like, why, yes, I am. I'm not normally like this, and in my head, I'm like, I'm always like this. I am a natural disaster. <laughs> no, that's working. That's working person right there. <laughs> I I, I do not happen. belong in first class. I belong in the back of the plane. Hell, I belong in the wing. I always said the back of the plane is so nice sometimes because it's sneaky, like Chill. only like two seats. And if it's a good airline, they'll give a little space between like the direct back, so you can still put your seat back. You know, because sometimes that's what happens in the back of the plane is like you can't put your seat back. And now you don't even feel yep. guilty about it because there's no one behind you. It's just, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I I I love flying. I really do. No, I do too. I'm like, do you like um? Are you a aisle or a window guy? Depends. Four hours or less, I'm a window. Anything more than four, I'm an aisle. Good. That was exactly the right answer. <laughs> because if you, you just like, want to get up, if you want it, if you want the option to stretch your legs, and you don't also want to be that person who. I've traveled with friends. Yeah, I've traveled with friends who like. I will book myself the window if it's a scenic flight. I've traveled with friends who are like, "Can I have the window?" I'm like, "Yes, only if I can get through to take pictures because we're flying over like a glacier in Argentina." Falls asleep, (laughs) blocks the window. Now I will never be nice to anyone on an airplane again. If I book the seat, it is my seat, no matter what. To the only time I would give up my seat is for like a. like if a person wanted to be next to their child or something, I think that's the only example. Even then, I could probably, probably, they should have paid. Is that, is that a donut? Apple cider donut. Yeah, my mom went to Trader Joe's. Right, we're trying to. I haven't been snacking because there's no snacks here. There is it like, dude. She comes back from Trader Joe's with a hundred fifty dollars of baked goods. I'm not kidding. She bought a cinnamon and a chocolate babka, and I'm like, why'd you buy those? And she's like, oh, well, it's like Seinfeld. It's funny. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
There's a little anti, I'm um, not going to say the word, chocolate babka. That's my culture. Dude, this what is, are you this is This is me having, I, sometimes they send me out for field trips, and one of them was just going to eat donuts. This is me just <laughs> happily, happily eating apple cider donuts on television. <laughs> Your life hasn't changed. That's like sending us to like Plymouth Rock, and then they're you don't even. So we've got apples for all your baking needs and all your fresh eating apples. So crimson crisp, honey crisp, all those great things. We've got a lot. Of so it's it's one of those. Times. <laughs> you stop at the market and really try your apples. Everyone. <laughs> You're literally like, let me chew, let me chew. <laughs> I, I had said to him beforehand that so that's Tyler Butler. He he owns an orchard and uh, really an entire state here. But I've said to him a million times, like if I mean just just let me eat stall for me. They, <laughs> that's what I was thinking, like, dude. <laughs> dude, you gotta send that picture. That needs to be the cover photo of the fucking pod. Now that is so funny. <laughs> do you like panic in that moment like i feel like i i don't even experience that but like if you're chewing you're like this isn't down yet uh oh like this isn't down because you're on tv you know people yeah, are watching there's a there's oh. a, D- danny devito plays like a role on broadway where he th- there's a specific scene where he has to down a hard boil peel and down a hard boiled egg while performing and he's like, this is like the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I've gotten really good at peeling and downing hard-boiled eggs. This is that same morning. They're getting ready to toss me for break. Getting a taste of fall this morning. That's right, Matthew Capucci. He is out on a Fox Five field trip in Germantown. Oh my goodness, what do we have here? Matthew, what are you doing out there? <laughs> That's exactly what I did. Coming up, we'll talk with Tyler Butler, who is in charge here. I gotta say, it is never a dull day in the office here at Fox Five. That's so fucking funny, dude. When they send me out for field trips, I have fun. Next week, they're sending me out to a winery, and oh, are you gonna? Did you warn them this time? <laughs> Give him a little heads they up. Sent me, they sent me to a winery a couple times before, and I, I am prone to getting the giggles. You know, I, I work really hard doing weather, and they know, like, I've Skyped in to do tornado warnings from Texas before, and once in a while, they'll, they'll send me out and, like, <sighs> Just perfect mornings. They once sent me to a chocolate factory, and they're like, "Just go out and have chocolate." And they send me home with all this chocolate. It's it's wonderful. So, you know, they're just perfect mornings that they give me, and I love those. Plus, it's a three-hour shift when I'm doing a field trip. I get there at at six forty-eight, or you know, really like six twenty-six. I get there. I'm on at six forty, six forty-eight, seven forty-eight, eight forty-eight, nine twenty-three, and I'm done. Those are good mornings. That, so you get paid to go on field trips now. Yeah, that's that's the dream, dude. It's weird, like you're just paid to go and, and drink wine it's in the morning. Pretty much like not working. Paid to go drink so wine like, at six a.m. It's like I would do this anyway. I wouldn't do this at yeah, six a.m. <laughs> maybe seven. Uh, maybe seven. They're, they're awesome though, and I love getting up early too because like you get to wake up a city, but also you get to watch the sunrise. I call it the sunrise shift. I call it, yeah. See, watching the sunrise is a special experience i feel like that i don't enjoy almost ever besides in college when i stayed up i don't enjoy i don't get up for sunrises i i wish i did 
Well, I, I usually get up at, well, I mean, if I'm working at Fox, I get up at 1.48 in the morning. You're not working at Fox tomorrow, right? No, I, you know what's a bummer? I haven't worked since September 11th, and I'm working on October yeah. 10th. But that's, I mean, I, I've done a field trip or two in between, but I haven't done weather in forever. I miss weather. But I was down in Florida day. for nine yeah, days. Day. Fox was great, though. They, they, I had three field trips scheduled, and they essentially cleared my schedule so I could go and cover the hurricane. Like, they're really, really good. Wait, you were down there, like... Oh, I was in the hurricane. I, I was... I, I was you, in it. I, did you go out and face the storm? Did you get any videos of you trying to face the 150-mile-an-hour yeah, wind? Oh, yeah, follow I me on Twitter. I, I wound up... I, oh, I, I don't use Twitter enough. I, I was in the eye of the Cat 4, and... and Ultimately, I, I wound up, we, we drove farther west after the eye, penetrated the western Iowa with 110-mile-an-hour winds, and that was wild, especially because there was so much rainfall, like 20 inches of rain, that we got freshwater flooding, too, and that started inundating the roadway and surrounding us, and we had to get out of there in a hurry. In doing so, debris took out our front two tires and the back right, so now I'm trying to limp this thing along with one good functioning tire. And two others that are kind of semi-inflated and one that's just, like, gone. Limp it to a, a river. No, no, no. This was a, a, a different vehicle. Limp it to a river, and we, we eventually kind of parked. Not a river, but, like, you know, limp, limp it to a, a bridge over an inlet in the ocean. And so now I'm like, what should we do? I'm trying to think of options. We have no cell, no, no whatever. And so I, I finally spy an apartment building that I know is in a safe place. We wind up going up and over that bridge in the, the winds, mind you, underneath the apartment building, you know, it's like a raised building. So here's a garage, and then the apartment's on top. We get we stay there overnight because there's nothing we can do about the tires. Uh, vehicles on either side kind of take the brunt of the wind. The apartment building loses its roof, but that didn't affect me, and that did unfortunately affect people in the building who came down and then sheltered in their cars. We stay there overnight. I changed one of the tires the next morning with the donut. The other one was fully flat, and the back right wasn't great. We limped that down the road until the Really, until the rubber on the front left just peels off and we're driving on the rim. Finally, I can't make it any further. I, I park at a Winn-Dixie. My buddy sort of hitchhikes west, and he's like, well, how will you get back? I'm like, don't worry about me. I'll see you. I'll, I'll see you. You'll be fine. And uh, I wind up sending out some messages when I finally get signal back at a Walmart, go back west again, let him know that I'm good, and, and uh, there I am. All is well. But I, I've tried to explain to him and many other people, there's no easy way to go into a Cat 4 hurricane. Like, you cannot plan for half these things unless you have a full crew and you're in one location. I didn't have a full crew and I was not in one location, so sometimes things happen. But, yeah, it, it was exactly as, how I expected. Which means it was awesome. Damn. It, it was exhausting. It, it, it's always exhausting. But I got coverage out. Hopefully folks... And yeah, I, I'm still working a piece tonight that we're hoping to have out Thursday. I want to get a, a, you know, I'm hoping it'll resonate well. Yeah, it's, it's a lot sometimes. Jeez. The kid is just fearless, The kid man. just needs to go to Australia and get fucking drunk with a bunch of Australian people. That's people what are criminals. he needs next. You know, I, I'd love to disagree, but honestly, I, I have to agree there. I, I'm trying to make sure I don't overdo it alcohol-wise because it, it does creep up on you. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, cut back on my drinking a little bit, but, yeah. You're only human. True. You know what but, I mean? 
in the past, you, you might see in the book, in the past I had some issues with it, and you know, it, it, I don't want it to become a habit. Like, every day having three or four glasses of wine had become a habit before, and you know, during the pandemic, and even since. And, or I'd use it to help me fall asleep at times when I was oh, sleep, working there. with ships. And, and so now I'm like, you know, that, that's, I shouldn't be doing that. Didn't have anything tonight, didn't have anything last night. I'm trying to do like three-ish dry nights per week. That's the goal. Yeah. That's a healthy relationship. Because yeah, like, I, I yeah. have a very addictive personality. Like, you guys, I'm sure, have seen this. I, I'm addicted to good things, work, and, and stuff like that. But I know that could very easily become a, a bad thing. Which is probably why it's also important to keep yourself busy. Exactly. If I'm not busy, then bad things happen. And, and everyone knows this. All my friends know I need to be busy. Bad things, Matt. I'm addicted. Idle mind is the devil's workshop. Yeah. You don't want to see him when he's not busy, guys. Keep this guy reporting on the weather, please. Unless I'm on a cruise, then I'm happy. Yeah, but then you're good to go. I need to go on another cruise. I really do. I've never gone on a cruise, and I don't have, like, a desire to. Come on down. I'm fun. Go on a cruise with me. You can meet my my DC friends. You said $250 or whatever, so that that caught my eye a couple hours ago. I'm not going to lie. Let's take the let's hit the high seas, dude. I'm down to go on a cruise. Two hundred seventy five yeah. bucks. Get real. So cool, anyway. like, where did where did it leave out of Florida? At Port Canaveral. I I had miles though for my buddy and I, so we flew down with miles. And then yeah, but you could probably get friends. a Spirit flight for like seven cents. So it's like <laughs> I love Spirit. Spirit. I, don't I, you don't you think we need to have more budget airlines in this country like the Europeans have with all their airlines? They're just flying Stop all over the place. Them credit. For like, I'll give them credit on that one. They got like Ryanair, Wow, whatever it's called, Zip Zap Airlines. Wow, wow isn't in operation anymore. Yeah, one, one of them. There's like a million other them, and they're like you Zip can fly from like Spain oh, to yeah, EasyJet. That's one. Whirling, whatever it's called, Viewing. It's like fourteen dollars for like flights across Europe. We need that. I'd see more of this country to... yeah, if it wasn't I... so expensive to fly. I might go to Nebraska one day for the screw of it. For now, I'm never going to yeah, for a long weekend. Yeah, like if it was like 15 bucks to go down, pop down Omaha, I'd be I'd be interested. But I'm not paying 250 dollars, whatever, to go to fucking Nebraska. Aaron, any time you want to fly to Omaha, you let me know. I will personally see to it that we get you out to Omaha, and I will. I I've been Can to I get a tour. I, I've been to everywhere in the state: of Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, most of South Dakota. Majority of Texas, half Iowa, much of Minnesota. I mean, I'll take you anywhere you want to go in Nebraska. I like. I do need to see middle of America, where the common man lives. Yeah, um, th- that way we can generalize even more as coastal elitists that we are. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd probably just be like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. But even like a city like Dallas up. has no interest to me. It's a giant fucking c- parking lot. That's what that state city is. But maybe yeah. if it was cheaper to get there, I'd go. Yeah, Dallas. Yeah. We're calling you I, out. I love Dallas is great too. Yeah, but it's, just, I, it's if, a parking if, lot. If you wind That's up, what it is. If you wind up in Kearney, Nebraska, I highly recommend the Whiskey River Grill. They're good. They have great chicken tortilla soup. See, I would rather Dallas, go there. Oh, Dallas! If you're in Dallas, go to Bugatti's. It's just north of Love Field on yeah. the northeast side of town. Oh, Bugatti's is so good. What is it? Great what is Italian. It? it it's just Italian food. But everything is so fancy, so and it's it's reasonably priced. Like a good fancy meal is twenty twenty five. I think ahead. if I was going to Middle America, though, I, I'm with you on like the Nebraska and Iowa thing. It was because, nice. 
because I, like, I like, like I said, D- Dallas seems cool enough, but it also seems like a glorified suburb with a bunch of parking lots. So it's like, you know what? You're da- Dallas is city. Texas because they have so much space. Their zoning's yeah. not great. You know, yeah. I I love the middle of the I've read somewhere da- Houston, Dallas is like the the whole like metroplex is bigger than the state of uh, Connecticut. Like that is absurd. Probably well, Connecticut's like, also a fucking hellscape that doesn't need to exist. So, what do they say? You're I, always three hours away from Dallas. In Dallas, I I, I love both Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. But I really like rural. I West like Houston. Texas. Have you been to like West Texas before, like middle of nowhere Texas? I've driven like partly through it, but mostly like middle of nowhere Arizona, which I imagine has a similar feel. But probably it's actually pretty different. Like Texas Hill Country. One of my oh, favorite. I meant, I meant like El Paso, like very far. Oh, I'm I'm talking like hill country. Hill yeah, hill country, like, like, like like San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. I like the area around like. I like that. I had family out there. Midland, Odessa. Oh, that, that's that's one of my favorite areas. I've had so many good storm chases out there. I've, one I've, was a day. Oh, go ahead. One was a day when I wasn't really like. The best one I've ha- ever had, best chase I've ever had, May 17, 2021. We were forecasting potential supercells with big hail, but low-level winds weren't great for tornado genesis, except near a remnant boundary or the leading edge of cool air exhaust from the prior day's storms that just caused a little bit of a wind shift, but we couldn't see it. We just knew it was somewhere around there. So in the afternoon, I looked for surface observations, thinking where I thought this little wind shift might be, and I, I found it, and I knew storms would kind of train along that. So... Storm after storm after storm, we kept hopping to what I thought would be the good storm of the day. And finally, we got to the one that I thought would be the one. It produced this beautiful tornado over open fields, EF3. The best storm ever, and no one was around. It was like, if I could have any day of my life over again, it'd be that one. And two hours later, I was at the Olive Garden. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fucking American dream right there. I was going to say, though. Thank God there's Olive Garden. I've flown over, like, Texas so many times in my life, and, I, like, now I can literally just, like, look out the window and be like, oh, that's Odessa. Like, I was, like, when I was little, like, I've done it so many times. I've seen that city from there so many goddamn times. Yep. I mean, there, there are times I'll drive over, I'm like, there's 35. There's the, you know, the, it's a river in Tulsa. Or there's the Chattahoochee River in, in yeah. Atlanta. Or there's whatever. Like, I, I love, I guess, reverse plane spotting, spotting things from planes on the ground. I love doing that. I love spotting things from planes. You would have been. A, you guys both would have been useful during World War II, dude. We would have, honestly, <laughs> because that's like all I think about. I'm like, hmm, what city is that? I wonder what's body line. It's like, especially if it's not like a huge city, and because if it's a huge city and you know where you're flying, you're like, hmm, I wonder what city that is. But it's like a little dotted thing, trying to figure out where you're at. It's fun, and don't it's cheat. Don't use the plane. Time. <laughs> come, come storm chase. You love it. You might have to sign the waiver, but I make all my friends sign the waiver. But come on down. Oh, I'll sign a waiver. Yeah, I'll put my life waivers on are bullshit, you, Matt. Matt. I'll have my I'll have Brooklyn look over the fucking waiver, and I'm sure that I'll get money out of you if you fuck me up. Your waiver isn't gonna make you safe. I'll sign the waiver, and I won't make a complaint, and I'll follow the state. I'm kidding. I would never. I would never. I would never. Just saying. That's I have, who I am. How sad is this? I have a just to cover my rear. I have a passenger safety information card. In the truck that outlines what to do in the event of a hailstorm, a tornado, a flood, or whatever. It's just like on the airplane, like a passenger safety information card. Because you're like, you, you, it's part to get to the car. You're like, you, you, are you sure you want to get in this get, car? You should get an old school bus and make it into like a tank and then like give tours during storms. I would love to. I've had inquiries before about being a tour guide operator and I, I've, I've passed them up just because it, it's so much responsibility to... 
it, it's I chase differently if it's just me versus if I have a friend. I chase better if it's just me. Usually, I shouldn't say that. No, I, I do chase better if it's just me because I'm more patient. Whereas if I have a friend, I, I'm really like I gotta show this person something. Like I gotta, I'll jump around more. I'll, I'll be less patient. I, I don't allow as much downtime. And sometimes in storm chasing, you have to be patient. If I had twelve people, I feel like I wouldn't make the best meteorological calls, and also I wouldn't be as. And not to say I take risks, but I, I wouldn't be as sort of. Caring is not the right word either. You don't want to wipe out a flock. There's that. I mean, there there are things I would do alone that I wouldn't do with other people. Not to say they're dangerous. It's just I I don't mitigate risk as much when it's just me because I'm I'm comfortable with the level of risk I'm taking. There's no zero risk storm chasing. If you're out looking for a storm, there's going to be risk. If you're trying to see a tornado, there will be risk. I take a little more when it's just me. I don't put myself in unsafe situations, but I I'm willing to push a little further if it's just me. Get a little closer. Trust your gut a little bit more instead of yeah. like try to think. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Do you see any? Did you see any big storms last summer when you storm chased, or was uh, this this year was extremely slow? May was a, a dud. I've been on geological withdrawal really in, until this past week, and and you know this this gave me a taste of sort of. The raw power of the atmosphere, which is what I live for. I really do live for that. What would you say is a kind of harder scene to go through? Would you say it's like going down like you saw this week with the hurricane? Or would you say like kind of going after a tornado is kind of a more tough scene to like kind of witness? It fully depends on the human element. As horrible as it sounds, when I'm chasing a storm, I don't really see the aftermath during unless it hits something big, in which case I'm usually there for the afterwards. This time, I was there for much of the afterwards, and that sort of hit hit home. Especially, you know what was weird? With this time, like tornadoes, most of the tornadoes I've chased have been in rural areas, causing minimal damage. This hurricane, I always used to go down to Fort Myers to visit my grandparents, my grandfather and his girlfriend, when I was little. And I lived in a mobile home park. And we'd go down to Fort Myers Beach, and I remember walking with them collecting seashells and, and just good memories. And it was, there was a moment of, huh, this is, this is weird. Because I remember I, the only time I've thought about Fort Myers Beach was only thinking about the, that time I spent with them. And then going back this time, standing there Saturday at, at Fort Myers Beach, and you know, I, I look around and, and everything's destroyed. And everything's covered in this sandy, muddy grime from the storm surge that carried everything ashore. And to think that, you know, Fort Myers Beach is no more. Their mobile home community farther inland is no more. Both of them are now dead. I was like, huh, this is a memory lost in time. Like, this will never be this way again. This will ne- these people will never be here again. But this, this place that the memory took place in will never be there again. And that was a weird thing to sort of grapple with. And that's how it is for most people who go through natural disasters. They can rebuild, but that moment in time, unless you've immortalized it through a photograph, that tiny vignette will never be there anyway again. Matt, that's mad poetic. Because it sure. doesn't have the same feel ever again. That's kind of like when we went to Old Town Warsaw. And we're like, this is like Disney World. This isn't real. Because you knew it wasn't the homes from the 1700s and stuff because it was gone. And yeah. it's like it doesn't have that same feel ever again. 
can never recapture that moment. Yeah, and other people will they'll make memories. There will be new places. There will be new faces. They'll they'll make their own memories there, and and th- it'll be that for someone else. But it's the only time I've ever had a place that I love, like a just a little special place where a little special memory happened that was destroyed. And for me, it was just one little memory, one day. It's weird just knowing nothing from that day will ever be there again. The people, the places, the scenery, everything. And like putting yourself in the perspective of the people that were there. And that's like, like imagine us coming back and like Plymouth is gone after a hurricane. Like that would just be like, damn, you'll never, and it will never be the same. Like it's weird. That must be a very weird and it is very sad and tragic as much as we bring on Florida. All right. That's sorry for Fort Myers, but maybe I interview folks afterwards and build. I never know how to approach it. I mean, I know how to approach it, but I've never received training on, on how to sort of interview someone in that state. It, it's something you, you can't go in there as a journalist. You can't go in there as a meteorologist. You have to go in there as, hi, I'm a person. You're a person. Let's talk. I mean, there are times I'll, I'll turn the mic off. There are times I'll, I'll sort of leave the cameraman in the dust. There are times I'm like, you and I are just talking. And the cameraman might kind of just zoom in from afar because I don't want it to be intrusive. Because really, it, it's, it's about capturing someone's raw emotions, but also being sensitive to the fact that they are raw emotions. Have you seen that video of that woman who sees her son crying and she like, tells him to like, get on camera? That's why I imagine a lot of people like she was. Her son was crying, and she wanted to get like a click for it, if that makes sense, like to make it dramatic. Some, some, some lady, like I couldn't tell you the name, but I'm saying I imagine that's what some media people would do because they want to sensationalize it. They, yeah, they're like, look at all these sad people, eat it up. I found a lot of people who would, when they saw me and my cameraman, they'd say, "What station are you with?" I'm like, "We're not a station where." You know, we're an app, and I, I'd explain the situation, and they were much more willing to talk than if a TV camera was sort of thrust in their face. Yeah, because I mean, then it's like local news, like everybody eats this up live right now, where it's like what you're doing is more documenting the like authentic experience. You know what I mean? You have control of the narrative. Like it's not like you're going out live broadcasting people's like tragedy. I interviewed a woman in Mardella, Maryland. Joy, gosh, what was her name? Joy something. You don't I, have I don't to dox her. Name. You don't have to dox her. <laughs> Surely dox herself, tactically. She, she, she was awesome. But she, she had lost her home that morning in an EF2 tornado. And I happened to be driving back. And it, this was during the remnants of Isaias on August 4th or 5th of 2020. And her home got hit by an EF2 tornado, completely destroyed. And I showed up. And, you know, I, I walked over. I'm like, and this was for the Washington Post. This wasn't even on camera. And they're like, w- someone said, what are you doing here? Like, you know, no news. I'm like, I'm, I'm just a, a weather guy. Any chance we can talk? And the lady was busy moving boxes. And I said, you know, I'd like to tell your story, but you don't have time for an interview. Why don't I just help you move boxes? Why don't I just help out here? And I'll keep my phone recording audio only. She was like, yeah. And so for like two hours, I, I helped her sort of talk through it. It wasn't even me asking questions. It was just her telling her story. And she wanted answers, too. She wanted to know how the tornado formed. Like, why did it hit only this side of her house? Why is the cornfield flattened this way and not this way? And 
Yeah, you just have to go in there and be a human. And they don't that's teach you these things. That's a wild way to be, especially when your home was just destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> like in a good way. In a good way. She, she was awesome. But I think a lot of people, it's almost cathartic to tell your stories. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. why that's why people need psychologists these days. Or that's why people, mental health, you know, so many folks go to talk to someone. Because talking to someone, talking something out is such a good thing. And if you can be that person... Regardless of whether or not there's a camera nearby, if you can be that person that someone will open up to, that's cathartic for them and beneficial for you in helping you share their story. Damn, that's mad touching, dude. Okay. <laughs> dude, you want to be going to bed tonight. It's getting late, guys. I don't want to hold you hostage, Matt, any longer. No worries. I mean, I'm still going to go for another one after this. Uh, I, I had too many calories today, and then I, I have to wind up uh, i'll probably do a voiceover and stuff for tomorrow that's dude, the hardest working man in weather an absolute stud your grandma's favorite weatherman no doubt just getting people all hot and bothered in the morning no doubt <laughs> that's a stud go follow him on all his social media it's just your name matt right like matthew capucci matthew capucci yep. matthew capucci instagram twitter Follow him on the uh, the My Radar stuff. We'll, I'm gonna follow your TikTok, dude. Shout out to you. Thank you for taking time. Go read his book, dude. We got the book. Yeah, I'm honored you bought it. I, I hope. I'm sorry you had to waste your money on me, but I appreciate it, dude. Waste your money. I'm excited to read it, dude. Let me know if you, you find any of the Easter eggs. There are family members haven't found any. There are a lot of Easter eggs, eggs and family members are, are oblivious to the Easter eggs and and. You know, other it's interesting. There are a lot of Easter eggs for both okay. I'm excited. I'm excited to read it. I'll definitely let you know. That. Let me know what you find and let me know what you learn. Dude, well, anyways, poke up. You can cut it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Hundredth episode next week. Woo! We're getting really fucking.